Sump City Radio and Necromunda podcast may contain profanity and mature content, not suitable for Jews younger than 14 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Listeners to the second broadcast from Sump City Radio. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Sump City Radio shack situated on the Rock Crete docks of Sump City Harbour. On behalf of the Hertzian Guild of Necromunda and the Sump City Radio crew, I have been authorised to wish all of the listeners a merry sanguinala and a happy uh, new year. Stephen, Stephen, we've got to consider inclusivity, mate. What do you mean? Yeah, you've got your, well, you've got your worshippers of the four-armed emperor. You've got uh, your chaos gods, so that's like Nurgle. You know, are, are we appeasing that audience now? Is that we do? Dude, dude, dude. You know, we're going to have calls. We're going to have letters. We're I suppose we've got a lot, of, a lot of people uh, worshiping yeah. the uh, was it god of bone and sinew now as well. Skin and sinew, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's it. And then obviously there's Slanesh, happy you cut a hole in something and fuck a dirt, you know what I mean? We've got to get them all in there. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Right, in okay. the sake of inclusivity, maybe something a bit broader. Okay, right. Uh, what do you recommend for our listeners, given the uh, the seasonal time of year? Um, happy holiday that recognises your specific deity, maybe. Okay, oh. listeners, uh, happy holiday that <laughs> recognises your specific deity and new annual thingy, yeah. Right. Turnover uh, of a calendar or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just me, Hive Scum Steve, and Chris, the underhiver Idden. Um, Craig is actually out getting a good deal on a reclaimed hand flamer at the moment, um, so he should be joining us later on with any luck. Anyway, yeah, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback from just the first episode. All over the hive, we've been having stuff coming through to us, all kinds of shit in our mailbox. Literally, whoever that is, please stop. Mailboxes aren't cheap, and we've had to throw the last two in the sump. That kind of soiling just doesn't wash out. But other than that, we are very pleased with the feedback that we've gotten. And and seriously, like, thank you everyone who's listened to our broadcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it over here at SCR. Yeah, I thought it would just be my mum, to be fair. So I'm really happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> as the cold days close in and the factory furnaces are starting to dial down, you'll start to notice the odd processing factory butcher coming round door to door, trying to make the extra credits off of the bits of meat that they've reclaimed from the factory floor. My advice, though, folks, with these shady characters, haggle. They don't want to have those goods on them for any longer than necessary, so you can get a decent mystery meat dragon from them without having to pay an arm and a leg for it. So just haggle. But coming up on the show today... In a moment, we'll join the Tommy Scalto for our atmospherics report for the wider Subsidy area, after which it'll be back to us here in the SCR shack for our regular segment, Rapid Fire. Once we've wrapped that up, we'll be introducing to you our show slopper, Cannabella Fritz, with the first part of her cooking segment. Following that, we'll be keeping warm with our segment, Hot in the Hive. Our reporter, Pomwell Brassbolt, will take you into the hive for a local news report. And then it's back to the studio for a new segment called The War Room where we'll have our first guest on the show. A quick break and it'll be back to us for Shooting the Shit, our segment covering all the main topics of the show. Then we'll return to Cannabella for the second part of our cooking segment. And finally, it's back to us for It's Your Letters. Yes, we do actually have some this time. And then thank yous and last little minute competition that we thought up. So that's what's coming up later on today. But for now, we'll hand you over to Natomi Scalto with the atmospheric support. Thanks, Steve. Due to the recent closure of the Laughing Skull Corp Starch Factory and the subsequent reopening of the disused Faith Foods Limited site, there's been a more meaty smell in the air. Official statements issued from the Enforcer Precinct say that this is not harmful and should be considered a treat as we take a break from the ever-present fragrance of oxidising metal. In the early hours of this morning, some waste flow pipes burst in the central Sump City area leading to the flooding of some lower levels. It has been speculated that this is due to last cycle's heavy precipitation corroding the pipes. Consequently, it's caused havoc with the city's traffic flow, so avoid travelling end shift times or seek alternate routes. Our prayers go out to you poor bastards whose dwellings are in the flooded areas, as any of your remaining possessions are likely to smell like shit for the rest of your life. Good news for scavengers, when the flood water recedes, there will be all kinds of lost possessions to pilfer, as long as you don't mind the stink. Spore levels are currently high with oil waste water about. The silver lining is that the fungus crop should be improved for at least the next cycle. I'm Natomi Scalto for Sump City Radio. Now back to the studio. I know you're gonna dig this. You're all listening to Sump City Radio. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Thank you very much, Natomi. Uh, now, as you may hear, we're not actually in the studio right at this point. We're out the back in our little yard. So um, that means that it's time for rapid fire. Rapid fire! Rapid Fire is a new segment that we'll be doing on the show, and it's uh, going to fill up the space from about us that we did in the first one, so we had to come up with something. But basically, it's a little way for us to share with you what it is that we've been up to regarding all things Necromunda since the last show. But we decided to make it fairly quick and snappy, and we thought, why not throw some firearms in as well? So that should be exciting, though. Uh, so here's how it works. Um, we'll pick a weapon, and we have choices of either a auto pistol or a stub gun, and we'll have a five-minute timer. Now we've got one target down the end of our yard here, and for every point that we bring up that we have uh, done regarding Necromunda in some way or another, then we'll get to take a shot at the target. 
Now, obviously, uh, there's going to be better advantages if you've done more things throughout the month, but you've also got the slight disadvantages and advantages of the different weapons. With stub guns, you've got the advantage of it being more accurate at close range, whereas with auto pistols, obviously it's more of a spray and pray kind of situation, but potentially you could get more hits on the target. So um, we're going to add the points up at the end of this as well, and we keep a running track after each show that we do, and uh, maybe at the end of the year we'll uh, see if we can pass a prize out to the host who's managed to get the most points in so it should be interesting um, I think the best way that we can do this is that I'll let Chris go first on this one so Chris uh, choose your weapon please Ooh, uh, stub gun please you're gonna go with the stub gun right yeah reliable I like it right in which case then I am going to set a timer and I'm gonna keep an eye on the uh, target for you just to let you know how you're doing with that so uh, three two one and go right I played Pete Adamson we had a basic game uh, for the environment uh, bad zone cards I was advanced he was all up uh, I run quite an experimental build he was running uh, heavy boulder um, and a boulder heavy crew uh, I took Frank Stone Strix with me um, just to test him out uh, it was a 1500 point game um, with uh, da -da 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 oh no come on 1500 point <laughs> game with access to three extra skills to distribute throughout the gang three tactics cards and black market trading nice. uh, weaponry rareness up to 10 cool that's one uh, take your shot okay that's a hit that's good okay uh, obviously I've been building my uh, second Arachnarig um, it's the uh, alternate version of the first one that I built where it stood upright um, I've got that to, uh, primed now uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to sort out the uh, plasma guns it's looking good though but yeah that's it go take a shot okay Oh, yeah, another hit. That's what happens with the reliable stub gun. Right, got anything else you've been up to, Chris? Yep, okay. Uh, I've uh, got some extra parts in for building my next Frankstone Strix. Um, I'm going to do one that's a little less kind of... Uh, dynamic? <laughs> dynamic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, so, that's another I'm one gonna... then, Chris. Okay, take a shot. Right, right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay, shit, fuck, that, that one missed, but that nearly got me then. Right, okay, uh, any more points? <laughs> right, okay, uh, one more. Uh, I need to buy, I need to build D Dark Uprising. It's been sat in its box, and I should be ashamed of myself, but I've had so much other stuff to do. And... Go on, go for it, go. Right. Oh, and that's a hit. Nice. Hey, you got any more points, Chris? Uh, no, that's it. I, I'm afraid I'm uh, all necromunded And out. bang, that's two minutes on the nose. So, yeah, well done there, mate, because if we're going to be adding time multipliers onto this, <laughs> and I'll work so that out I'm in a bit, then, yeah, I think that's actually just bumped Three your... bonus. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. So, right, okay. Uh, in which case, then, I guess it's my turn on this one. Um, do you want me to do the timer again for this? Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> cool, right. I wonder if I'm actually going to hit the full five minutes on this one, because this has been a busy month for me. Right, um, you know what? I'm going to go with the stub gun as well on this one. So I'd rather go for Old Faithful than uh, the Prey and Spray at this point. I think it's too early in the game to be blowing my points, even though I've got a load of points. I apologise about the handle being a bit sweaty. <laughs> oh, my God, it's 
<laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Lovely. Right. Okay, and timer's going now. Right, okay. Uh, so I finally settled on the colour scheme for my corpse growing the cult after agonising about it for over a week. Um, so I thought I'd end up going with the red uh, colour scheme that they've got on all of the box artwork or the bronze one from the artwork in the books. Uh, but in the end I just woke up one morning and decided to go with black, white and silver and lots of gore. And boom, sorted, loving it so far. Take a shot. Right. Ah! Ooh. Okay, I uh, don't think that did too well. Right, I, I'm not as good with shooting as I thought. Anyway, right, moving on quickly. Right, so, second point. Um, speaking of corpse grinders, I went to record the last episode of Chronicles from the Underhive with them. Lovely guys, had a great time there, and we got to celebrate Tom's birthday um, whilst we were at it as well. Got in a few games. Uh, Carl and Matt from Chronicles were there as well. Uh, ended up winning two out of three games with corpse grinders, though I'm not going to be surprised if people are assuming that would have happened anyway. But that's what I've done. Okay, go for it. Next shot. Okay, alright. Um, I don't know if you want to verify that for me. Uh, yeah, I'd say that was just, just in. Right, just go, go, go. Hip right. shot as well, very good. Yeah, from the hip, that's how I like it. Right, okay. Um, like Chris, I've also been inspired to build my own Freak Storm, Vansar Bounty Hunter. So I've currently got one of those, although it seems that it's become a competition now. So he's got two that he's building, and I've got one. He's currently undercoated, and I'm just trying to work out what I'm trying to do with Vansar colour schemes at the moment. So uh, I'm thinking I might actually go with all my Vansar with the uh, sort of uh, Games Workshop uh, tutorial video with Duncan kind of approach of purple and green. Like. So that's another one. Can I take a shot? Yep, go for it, man. Oh, that's a hit. Yeah, definitely nice. a hit. Right, okay, cool. Right, so, uh, got a game in with my Corpse Grinders at the local gaming store, Boards and Swords in Derby, so shout out to them. Um, it was Corpse Grinder Mirror Match, now that was a weird one. Um, it was actually against well, our guest who's coming onto the show later on for the War Room. And yeah, interesting things happen because uh, you try and charge a Corpse Grinder against a Corpse Grinder. If they're a leader or a champion, that seems to work. Not so much if it's an initiate, apparently, though, because their willpower is not very good. Uh, can I get a shot there, Chris? Go for it. Cool. And that's another hit. Yeah, it'll be cool, cool, cool. Um, right. Uh, I've finished building my Zone Mortalis scenery um, from the Dark Uprising box set. Uh, so I've got a, f a few other bits of scenery that I did at the same time as well, like extra plasma conduits, uh, generators, the crane, the tractor box, all that kind of stuff as well. And that's all entirely with help from a Mrs. Adele. Um, so it was, it was just one of those days where we were sitting in, didn't really have anything better to do, so we just decided to build it all. So it's all done. I have no idea what I'm doing for paint schemes, though, so that's going to be fun. Uh, can I get another shot on this, Chris? Go for it, man. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. How many shots is that now? Uh, that's like f fifth point I think now that I've brought Okay, up. one more shot in the barrel, go for it. Oh, right, okay, right, and that's a point, otherwise I'd play reload. Right, in which case then I will scratch the, that point I'll mention. Earlier on today I had a couple of starter games uh, to play out as well. So it's someone who was used to playing old Necromunda, one of my friends, Jim, shout out to him. Um, he came round, wanted to know the new system, so he played the new uh, bar brawl fight just to get a nice quick small game in so we could have a go at that and then we just had a quick scrap in the box lid as well like the initial tutorial and then I realised how broken some of the original rules were still because I was using the cards out of the box um, from Necromunda 2017 so you've got the <laughs> the uh, toxin daggers do you remember that when they had plus one to hit oh, yeah that was broken really. wasn't it <laughs> so uh, yeah this is my last shot then so taking it Oh, what was that? Go for it. Go. What was it? Oh, you've gone through the same hole again, you jammy bastard. Whoa, okay. Actually, I just needed a bit of warming up there then. Right, okay, I'm going to pause <laughs> that. That's just under four minutes, that one. 
Okay, um, so I don't think I'm going to get as good on the time multipliers. We'll work out the scores in a bit, and uh, then we'll uh, come back to that one. But yeah, that's rapid fire, folks. Uh, Chris, what do you think of the segment? Uh, yeah, good fun. Let's um, let's try bigger guns next time. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, we're going to have to see if we can afford the bigger guns. These were the cheapest ones that I could get that weren't going to blow up in my face because I didn't want to sell go a tape two together. Well. Yeah, I could do. That sounds a bit like a storm bolter <laughs> right there, <laughs> but in pistol format. Um, so, yeah, um, I think what we'll do then is we'll probably head back inside, get ourselves a cuppa. But in the meantime, what we'll do is we will hand you over to... Oh, what's it next? Oh, it's Cannabella, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, we'll hand you over to Cannabella for the first part of the cushion nice segment. Thank you, Stephen. Hello, listeners. I hope you are well fed. Nobody likes a skinny boy. Well, at least I don't. Today we'll be making one of my favourite recipes, mixed meat surprise, with a side of fungus fries. A deceptively quick and easy meal to make. Great for those times where you have unexpected guests. So, let's get into what you'll need. Firstly, an area to prepare your meal that's not too dirty. So just brush off a flat surface. Secondly, you'll need some kind of sharp implement or knife. Personally, I use a piece of beaten and sharpened rebar. You'll also need a heated pot of scrape oil, a small rat cage, a friend to help, and a grinder of some description. Depending on the size of what you'll be grinding, you can either make one or find something suitable, such as the internal cogs of an industrial press, or a sturdy, unprotected air vent fan you have control of, the grease and oil can really add unexpected tangy zing to your meals. Do you have what you need? Marvellous. Join me later out in the hive when I'll be bringing a friend to help hunt down the freshest ingredients for our meal. But for now, it's back to the boys in the studio. Okay, listeners, welcome back to the studio. Um, we've uh, polished the firearms quickly there so that they're good for next time that we do that segment. Uh, but now it's time for Hot in the Hive. Hot in the Hive. <coughs> this segment is lit. Okay, if you listen to the first broadcast from Sump City Radio, and you'll know that Hot in the Hive is our section where we just quickly go through all of the cool things that we've seen um, out there, either on the community groups or like new releases, leaks, articles, blog posts, videos, podcasts, anything along those lines that we've seen that we basically just think is cool and is uh, worthy of a mention. So, Chris, do you want to kick this one off? Yeah, go for it, man. Uh, all right. Um, so this month, I've specifically looked for a lot of people who have um, inspirational ways to uh, tackle and build the Zomortalis terrain, as I figured that would be quite uh, fitting, as a lot of people will either just have received it or will be getting it shortly for Very their uh, festive um, 
festive celebration of choice. Uh, okay, so the first one is Warhammer Man Studios. Now, this is a YouTube channel, um, oh. and it's literally from out of the box. It's the terrain measured up against every other bit of terrain, uh, every all the dimensions covered, uh, how to magnetize it, how to light it, how to, uh, the compatibility with other terrain, uh, painting it and converting it. He's a great guy. He's doing some great stuff. I recommend if you just want one little all-in-one place, get across, chuck him a like, uh, subscribe, and stuff like that. I'm sure we'd really appreciate it. So a uh, um, one-stop shop for everything relating to Dark Uprising. Yeah, honestly, really, really good. Really good. Nice. Um, and then uh, another guy. Now, this isn't um, this is one of the only couple of things that I've got on here that isn't about the Zone Mortalis, and it's uh, Eric's Hobby Workshop. Um, he's got some really lovely scratch built stuff, but it's really straightforward tutorials with really easy to get hold of materials um, and really easily, well, I say easily achievable, achievable results. Is this and terrain not kind more of, than anything else? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all terrain. So it's not a case of kind of um, you're looking at a masterpiece like the stuff they've got at Forge World and you're thinking, well, if only I had $200,000 and you know what I mean? And a fine arts degree yeah <laughs> uh, in order to kind of carry it out it, it's all stuff you could have on your table if you've got the time and you source the the materials so definitely eric's hobby workshop again that's another youtube channel give cool. him a look we'll make sure we get that stuck into the uh the facebook group for links and stuff as well but Absolutely. yeah i'm not exactly a hobby dad so you know i think i might check those out as well um but yeah um if i can just chuck in a couple quick on this one the, go for it the first one that i will mention is artel w miniatures is doing a 10% off sale at the moment. Now, the only reason why I mention this is because if I had the money to do this right now, I most definitely would. Their sale runs until the 5th of January, so do be quick on this one, uh, with a coupon code of HOLIDAYS2019. If you order over $70 worth of stuff from them, you get free international shipping, and that's one of the things that put me off ordering from them before, because the shipping was quite a bit. So I would happily, if I had the money, spend more than $70 there. Um, it's well worth it for that. And also, if you order over $60 at the moment, you get a free miniature in with it as well. So, you know, I think... I one of those things that you can't really miss <laughs> so if, if you've got oh they do some do great stuff as well i mean like some of their alternatives to the brutes uh, oh yeah there's the brutes. that's right because it's the is it a chem fist something or other that they've done as an alternative brute um for the goliath zerker for the goliath zerker they've got um the stig shambler they've released the um oh, yeah, they have, initial they? renderings for that and the first one, I was like, oh, it's good, it's good. But then they did like a slightly revised one, and it is awesome. It's really, really good. Nice. Um, and, and they've also got the um, the Arachnarig. They have. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's very the one that looks like Doc Ock, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's so cool. some lovely, lovely stuff. The other sculpts. thing that they did, which I would have absolutely loved to have get, uh, is the Enforcers that they did, um, or the you know, Police Force. And they've got the three alternative Cyber Mastiffs that you've got. One looks like the Bulldog out of Tom and Jerry, and the others are a bit more sort of Dutch Hound kind of looking, or whatever the you know the streamlined dog is that they have on the Police Force. Um, so yeah, the, the, they've got loads of cool stuff, basically. Go check that out if you've got a bit of money from Christmas and you want some really cool miniatures. The detail on them is awesome. Um, Chris, any more that you've got? Yeah, okay. Uh, I've got a few guys on Instagram. Uh, again, a lot of these are uh, Zone Mortalis. So if you do have some fancy uh, new plastics and you're looking for inspiration, definitely check out um, 40k um, Ham Slam. Uh, that's Dylan Gold. Just he's done this 
awesome kind of he started off and it's all the columns and the walls from um zone mortalis oh, right, and nice. he's built up and up and up so he's it's essentially like a wall that's around four or five stories high oh, wow. and it's using uh, like extra styrene sheet and styrene rods and stuff to bulk it out and build it up fantastic definitely give uh, him a check out uh, there's a man apost- that dropped a lot of dollar <laughs> oh a lot of dollar uh, apostate fidem please apologize uh, sorry please accept my apology if i pronounce your name wrong there but um instagram has some crazy uh monikers awesome modular board he's got on there definitely check that out uh, arterus which is our own simon who's in um the uh, sump city community oh, page oh simon west lake west lake west lake that's it uh, yeah yeah um and he's, he's he's been playing around with his own mortalis and he's figured out the containers are nigh on perfect as actual flaws in themselves so he's on in the process of building like a little shanty town kind of oh, a nice. um, retail district using the containers as shops and stuff, which is obviously you've seen that done a hundred times, but specifically within the context of the Zomar Talus and it looks perfect. And yeah, I'm going to have to pick a few more of them you've up. Got, for I've got to say the person who sat down and designed all this, you know, because the, everything it sort of interlocks with everything else on that, uh, that scale, doesn't it? Like the, it's incredible. And another guy who's actually, pushed the terrain to its limits as far as I can see. He seems to be testing out things and you're going, oh, why didn't I think of that? Or, or, or what a what a great idea. And that's Sonic Rules 13S on Instagram. It's just, it's how to fit the pipes in different places, how to attach the um, the big servo crane onto one of the tops of the um, columns by using the pipe adapters oh, nice. and fitting that to the bottom of the crane. So you've got like a, a it can turn on a 360 degree angle. It's awesome, really good. Definitely check them out. This is one of the the things about this hobby that I really like that you get people who can just you know sit down with a pile of bits like this and then just go, I'm going to do this, and it works. Oh, yeah, you would never have thought of it yourself. You see it and you're like, oh, that's amazing, and it just opens up these other avenues of uh, exploration for your own hobby and. Um, aka i'm totally gonna rip that off oh yeah 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 absolutely oh what's wrong with that man i see it as a homage if someone wants to copy in fact actually someone has done that i my corpse grinder paint scheme i've had two different people say that they want to do it and one person actually has so i'm more than happy for them to rip me off with my ideas because it's just yeah really no nice man it's, it's it's awesome isn't it to think that yeah you've you've inspired somebody um shibboleth or two on um instagram Go and see what he's done with Zone Mortalis terrain. He's basically kind of cut out the arches and added like shelves in for books and skulls. Oh, that guy, yeah. I saw yeah. his stuff. It's really cool. It, it reminds me of a pub that we've actually got in Nottingham called the Pit and Pendulum. where literally, I used to get drunk in there. Yeah, one of the bookshelves is actually the way to get into the toilet. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of the decor in that place. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do that, but it's, it's so cool. Um, have you got anything else you wanted to mention, Chris? Prime Hivers is a, I think it's a group of guys who all kind of share through one um, Instagram account. Um, Some of the green stuff work on that is absolutely phenomenal. They've done um, like a female Orlock. Oh, uh, is that the one with the jacket that they've they've green stuffed over the top? Yeah, and and they've done like 
the shin pads and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. They need to do some YouTube videos on how they do that green stuff because oh, I'd love to see what they do in They that just process. need to do it for me. They need to say, Chris, send me your miniatures and we'll just green stuff it all up really sweet. <laughs> you know what? I think back. they do take commissions. Yeah, for free though. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, in, I'm not, uh, I don't have enough bank to be, to be uh, getting commissioned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Terry Baker on, um, Necromunda Terrain Makers on Facebook. His Corpse Guild uh, processing plant is incredible. Benjamin uh, Wakefield on um, the Necromunda Terrain Makers. His entry for the, the, their latest competition, the Sump competition, it's it's phenomenal. It looks like a miniature that You're was talking made about for the um, cinema. Yes, yeah. that's it. Captain that's the first crossover the that dead we've had on this list. <laughs> it was absolutely breathtaking. It was just like, right, I'll just chuck my paints in the bin, off I go, see you later, what's the point of people like <laughs> you exist? But no, yeah, just breathtakingly beautiful. Um, and one last thing, and that's the Maelstrom Edge Terrain Sprue. And, uh, it's like edges to things and doors, and it's just bits that you can huh. pop out and add to foam board. And it Is just, that an official like, Games elevates. Workshop product? No, no, it's it's by Maelstrom's oh, Edge. Right. That's okay, sorry, the company. I misunderstood that then. I thought that was the fancy name for the product, not the people who did it. All right, no, no, that's that's the company. Yeah, no, um, and they released one last year, and that was cool, but I'm really, really impressed with this latest one that they've done. And, I'm really uh, going to have to check out all these things that you've mentioned here because I've not heard of some of them before, so, uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, there's some great stuff out there, some really good stuff out there, but that's, that's all I've got for now anyway. Cool. Right, well, my list then. I'll start with the crossover that we had there. So, again, another shout-out to Benjamin Wakefield. Um, it was his Pennyman Harpooner that really sort of caught my eye when he posted that up separately. Um, you'll see it in the pictures section, but it kind of looks like a big daddy from Bioshock. Went on a diet, yeah. went to the gym, and then replaced some of its limbs with cybernetics after getting involved with some whalers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he's got an Instagram account, and we'll make sure that we link that as well. But, yeah, top work from Benjamin there. Um, next on my list is Kyle Reese Dunn. He did a rock saw conversion for the Corpse Grinders. It's the one that's normally holding the rotary flensing saw, but he's managed to cut the saw out in such a way that you can actually replace it with the rock saw itself. Uh, and I'm assuming it's the one from the uh, Gene Stiller Cultists uh, box set that you can get hold of. Uh, but yeah, just really nice way of fitting that in because that item is actually on their house list. So it's just useful to be able to get things that are in the house list onto the models. In addition to that, we've got David Delgado, I think it is Delgado. Uh, and it's another Corpse Grinder conversions that he's done. However, this time it's one of the Jews or the Initiates, if you prefer, as... Uh, what was it? It was, it was originally Chaos Cultist carrying the Heavy Flamer and the Heavy Stubber, but he's converted them with head swaps to the Initiates, which just looks really good because it still keeps within that kind of I work in a meat factory look because they've got like yeah. aprons on. Um, and then what he's done is he's chopped the front off of, I think it was the Heavy Stubber, and he's put the front of the Harpoon Gun that comes with the Orlock Gang Sprue. And he's put that on there because, again, harpoon guns are part of the uh, Corpse Grinder house list. So really nice conversions there from David. Again, we'll link that. Uh, over on Instagram, we've got a person who goes by the name of Muse Bulletin. And he's done like this beautiful paint job. Um, and I think it's a balefire thrower. Um, or it could just be a pink flame flamer. But it's like 
really, really spot on object source lighting that he's done on it. And it's the kind of thing where you'd like to see a tutorial alongside it so that you can sort of see if you can actually achieve that kind of thing yourself. Just really, really beautiful uh, object source lighting on it. Last couple here, Carl Johnson. Uh, he shared, oh, yes. Yeah, now, I, I was talking to you about we about this whilst we are in the break. He posted into the Sump City community group showcasing a ton of Necromunda-themed ink sketches that he did throughout October as part of the you know Inktober thing that people do. And you need to check out the video in our group if you've not seen this because the amount of effort that this guy must have put into it, it's, it's just really good. With a bit of a drawing background myself, I can appreciate the amount of time and effort that he's put into this stuff. I, I was... I mean, I, we follow each other on Instagram and I, I was watching the... Um, Inktober um, stuff as he was progressing through and I was really cheeky about halfway through and I just said <laughs> why don't you draw um, my Cordor um, gang uh, sorry um, champ with a long rifle and he was like oh I might, I might find time for that or it was quite throwaway what he'd said yeah. and he'd come back he's like I still haven't forgot about you a couple of weeks later I was like oh I didn't think he'd take the bait do you know what I mean yeah. I thought obviously he's got his own things he wants to do and he, he came back with a beautiful picture of um the sister of infinite sadness so yeah thanks very much for that that's man, your Carl. one with um, the massive massive that. rifle isn't it yeah, yeah and i use that as my uh instagram um, profile pic now because i just think it's so good and the fact that he took the time to kind of to make that for me i was just really flattering so uh, I, i've told him as much so yeah it's great to get him a yeah, shout yeah. out on shout here. out to um, carl johnson there then for amazing work mm-hmm. so and definitely follow him on instagram um send him a like on our page for the post that you put on there because that video is really beautiful and then my last one uh, is one that I've kind of mentioned a couple of times and now I've thrown it out in the group and I know that I definitely mentioned it when I was on the Chronicles podcast as well and we were talking about things that we've uh, spotted. Uh, Alex Jameson. Uh, I've not been able to tag him in any of the posts where I've commented his name, but I think that's because we're not like friended on Facebook or something daft like that. But it's where he's done a corpse grinder cultist that has got the corpse grinder icon on its back. And I think what he did was he took... Um, the icon from a, a chaos cult gang or uh, not gang or you know something in 40k and it's a skeleton that sits on top of like a chaos icon but he's just chopped off the top half so it's the skeleton and he's put it on the back of his corpse grinder and I saw it and I thought you know what that looks really awesome I'm going to pay homage in air quotes to that and make my <laughs> own version of it <laughs> totally not ripping it off but yeah I ended up finding one of like these ye olde fantasy ones uh, the skeletons of, of the skeleton army I think uh, one of my friends must have given me one at some point and it was, was in it the, the old spot. cream plastic ones those are the ones that's it skeleton um, horde that's it so I had one of those and I just chopped it down a bit and then added some green stuff work over the top of it to make it all like sinewy and, and stuff like that and yeah I got the idea from him and I, I'm very grateful for it so thank you very much Alex dude I, I mean I I didn't want to like make it look like I was giving you a reach around on air <laughs> um, but your cock's grinder cult I'm a little bit in love with them if, I'm honest. if I didn't hate the gang to my absolute core, which I do, and we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I would be all in uh, running a scheme like yours and probably just taking the, the icons that you've done. The, the Is it the flens and other boning swords? That you, oh, the, the, boning the, bo- swords, it's, it's the boning swords, mate. It really yeah. is, because I can't say that without having issues with it. It's just it's really <laughs> funny. 
but yeah, that's all the points that I've got for Hot in the Hive this time. Um, I'm sure Craig would have had a few of his here, but again, he, apparently he's still out sorting out this reclaimed hand flamer. I don't know what's going on there. Um, hope he's all right. Um, yeah, you never know. <laughs> he's been mugged and left in an alley or something, knowing his luck. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for Hot in the Hive as far as I'm concerned. Chris, you got anything else you want to chuck on there? Oh, hang on. Oh, no, we have got other things to talk about, haven't we? Uh, we've had freaking Arata come out. Ah, uh, yes, and the uh, the White Dwarf yeah, release as well. About. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is there anything you want to point out with either of those? I've got a couple of things I want to mention on it. Uh, I mean, everybody's excited that Enforcers can use the trade and boast, I guess. That yep. seems to be the <laughs> main thing. one of the things I wanted to mention. They get the ma- and they get Magnacles. Yes, no, that, no, that is good. Everyone beefy bugger gets Magnacles now. Yeah, yeah. No, that, and that makes sense because they're the coppers. Yeah. The downside to that, however, though, is it's not just them that gets access to the trading post. Wahaha. It's also the corpse grinders that have now got access to the trading post. So that's going to cause a lot of fun later on in campaigns. But it makes sense, though, doesn't it? That's it the does, thing. Yeah. If everyone else does, why don't they? Because people don't like them. And you're, oh, you're a stinky corpse grinder. I'm going to not let you into my store. <laughs> I mean, I think they're fundamentally broken. I, I think, but we'll get into that later. But uh, there's a couple of um, bits in the errata where they're saying um, you'll need a, an arbitrator to keep an eye on this specific tactic or trick not being over abused by your gang. Yeah. Um, and it's like, just don't make that the rules. I don't know. You know what I mean? If... Yeah, I've got to say, I was thinking that as well. They've gone, oh, you know, it's up to someone to monitor this. It's like, mate, you Games Workshop, <laughs> mate, you make yeah. the rules. Why can't yeah. you just sort of change the rules so that we don't have to do this? Yeah. yeah I mean, you're writing an errata. So somebody sat down to go this, this, this. Just change that if you want to change that. But they've said they didn't want to nerf it so much. And so I guess it's a balancing act. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, at the same time, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful that they've even put out an errata full stop. So, oh no, no. and <laughs> and it covers it covers every book as well. That was yeah. really impressive. I, I was like, oh Jesus Christ, there's a fair few pages of stuff. But again, obviously, you're going to get people that are unhappy no matter what they come out with. Yeah. So, which is the beauty of having an arbitrator based, like a game that encourages arbitrators, um, is that you can have somebody that goes, just stop being a twat, roll the dice and get on with it. Do you know what I mean? This is the rule here. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the only other point that I kind of wanted to pick up on personally from the errata, because obviously we don't want to be in a show that just goes through literally every last little detail of things no. is um, the brute brute cleavers have been buffed, which was a bit of a surprise to see on the list, but a welcome one. Nevertheless, as a Goliath player. And what's so come on, explain that to me then. Well, because I've never really played Goliath. I've used them, but I've never really focused on them. So yeah, with brute cleavers, they've now amended it. So it's a plus one to hit on top of the other little stats that it's got. Like, I think it's a minus one AP and uh, plus one strength as well when you're swinging it around. So, yeah, just a welcome little thing to see with uh, as a Goliath player because that means that they're a bit more useful now. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially as they've been superseded as the close combat gang of the uh, of the game. <laughs> as well. A little bit, yeah. But again, we'll talk about that later. We certainly shall. And there's also White Dwarf, I guess, that we need to talk about as well. Um, mm-hmm. I have one thing that I really want to, to talk about, if you don't mind me going first on this one. Absolutely not a problem with me, mate. We have the rules for lifts!
coming out of elevator music. It's playing right now behind you, trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just so glad that we've actually got the rules for the lifts in now. And it went in a direction that I wasn't expecting. Um, if you move on to where a lift is, you get a free four-inch movement up or down on the lift. Um, so, yeah, you're getting extra movement out of it for free. I thought it'd be like a, you press the lift button activation and then you get to do something afterwards. So it requires an action, yeah. but no, Roll it's on for your free. initiative and if you feel your finger gets trapped in the mechanism <laughs> or something like that. You slip and you press a different button entirely. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm just really glad that we've got rules for lifts now and as simple as it was. But I'll tell you what, they're quite brutal as well. You do not want to get trapped under a lift, especially if you've got shit initiative. Because if you fail an initiative check, if lifts coming down that's it you're squished with damage three it's the same with doors now as well doors and lifts are brutal that's awesome no it's a really good idea though it makes the like the the, the environment more dangerous and more get them hazard stripes painted on that's what i'd recommend that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they have hazard stripes everywhere in next <laughs> damage three doors and lifts jesus so yeah, was there anything else you wanted to mention about White Dwarf itself, or should we talk about the little bits that came with it? Oh no, yeah, just just go for the stuff that's relevant, I reckon, dude. Um, I'm going to have to kind of uh, defer to you on this, because uh, I don't have my copy yet. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a bit of a stick it in and break it off, considering something that's coming up later on in the episode as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll cover that yeah, in a bit. But yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for all that. Become you are, soon, I might listeners. write a head-filled letter to go along with, with, with what it is. But we'll, we'll, we'll end up we'll with, that. with some kind of pipe bomb in the office. And <laughs> it's not a disgruntled <laughs> listener, it's you. Um, yeah, basically. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, the what came with White Dwarf, and in my opinion, therefore, makes it very much worth buying the December issue, is um, you get a little book of uh, mini scenarios, um, which is referred to as... Let me just pick this up. Here we are, Necromunda Gang Raids. Get the thing out in front of me. So yeah, it's a little supplement thing. It's only like, what, about eight pages long? And you've got about four different micro scenarios in there. Now, these are ones that mm-hmm. you can sort of fit into an existing campaign. Um, but it's only designed for like very small numbers of gangers to play in, to the point that your leader thinks that they're so below him that your leader's not even allowed to play in them. No, you take like, one champ and a few gangers. Yeah, and a few gangers, like, like with the, um, the bar brawl one. It's... Um, like what three or four models that you've got in it yeah custom selection four of which one can be a champion and the rest are either juves or uh gangers and then you've got a couple of other random bods uh hivers walking around on the board as well uh but yeah it's just really nice to have these little scenarios it's like because how many times have you like gone to play a couple of games and you've finished it and then you've looked at the clock and you've gone you know what i've got to leave in about an hour and a half and i know if i get into like another full-on game i'm gonna need to be here for about another two to three hours but Mm -hmm. that it's like a yeah you could just quickly whack out a couple of tiles and play one of those scenarios and also um because of the way that they're written they don't affect territories so you can play them and not have fear of like losing one of the territories that you've just managed to get hold of in a previous game um also you can't do things like uh infiltrate in these scenarios or at least in the bar one you can't do that 
But yeah, they're just a, a nice collection of little scenarios there as well. So you really should get hold of that, Chris. Go go and buy White Dwarf. Oh no, um, as, as soon as it came out, um, one of the guy who pre-ordered it, he, he he's he's messaging me straight away and sending me pictures of it and stuff and saying, look, this is really cool. I can't get over how it because they were, they were worried that the rules would be really cut down. But it's not. It's the same game. It's just they limit the scenario by you you yeah excusing your leader out of a flight. You just said they just think it's beneath them. So it's like these these tiny little offshoot kind of games that you you get all the fun of an actual game, but without, you know what I mean? The, the, the headache of kind of yeah. setting it all up. Exactly. Um, but also the fact that that could be quite easily written into a campaign. Yeah. You know, you, it's also more you, you can have these little break moments. And I just think like narratively, the, the so, um, fitting for kind of the, the whole, we are a gang like um situation you know not every gang mission is this big massive kind of all of my guys against all your guys there's going to be these little kind of um excursions by these little splinter groups it's so just, just a gang really cool. going off and getting into crazy hijinks basically isn't mm-hmm. it and a bar fight come on yeah you know what i mean it's pure western it's great it is really yeah. cool especially because you can't have any guns in that one but weirdly the hivers that are just randomly around in the bar they do get to throw things and it's classed as, as like shooting essentially for purposes of the game but you don't get to do that so it, Dirty. It's just, yeah i know it's really funny how that happens but in uh I literally earlier on today i played that scenario with uh, as i say my friend jim who, who came around to have a couple of uh, introductory games to the system as it is now how did that work as an introductory game because i think that's also a really good idea is yeah. if you can get a game in in 30 minutes uh, 40 minutes we literally played it in the box it. that came with n17 um because it does recommend that you could do that um we mm-hmm. had four models a piece he went with escher i went with goliaths uh and there was a point where his escher champ came over kicked the crap out of my Goliath, left him bleeding on the floor, seriously injured, but then decided just to bugger off for a bit. But because he was closest to the Hiver model when she triggered it, he attacked my Goliath and literally just threw a beer bottle at him, hit him on the floor, but didn't do him any more damage. But then because (laughs) of the rules, as my Goliath was like, I'm getting away from that Escher in case she comes back to finish me off. He crawled two inches away and was within range uh, to trigger this Hiver again. And he just literally throws another bottle at my Goliath. He's bleeding out on the floor. And it's like, you bastard. (laughs) Can you not see how badly beaten up he is already? But yeah, it's a it's a fun little scenario, and the only weird aspect to it um, is kind of part of the fun of it as well that you don't get to shoot in the scenario. So for an introductory game, it's kind of useful because it slowly introduces people to the mechanics. You can go, okay, this yeah. is how we punch each other's lights out, and then you go in the next game where we just basically use the box again and just had a, a straightforward scrap, and then you go, okay, and now we've got shooting on top of that. So, yeah, it's actually a really nice, quick way to introduce people to the game without it getting really big and scary. You know, you turn up and it's a six by four table of, you know, really deeply created uh, sector mechanicus terrain and going, here's your 15 gang army. Um, And they're like, what What are we doing now? So it's a lot less intimidating and it's a much nicer scale for sort of bringing people into the game. Yeah, that's, I think that's the problem with uh, when you're explaining uh, kind of a new player. Did you ever watch, you used to watch League of Gentlemen? Yes, I did. You know, go Johnny, go, 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 the card <laughs> yeah. game. 
well, threes are worth five and fives are wild and six. Oh are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. It, it becomes very much like that. It's like right, you've you've got two actions. You've got basic actions, simple actions, and you know, and it's like right, okay, so is that a simple? So can I shoot and then shoot? No, no, that's two basic actions. You can do a simple action. You can do two simple actions. Or you can do one basic action. You can yeah, do a simple yeah. action. You know, and, and it becomes really convoluted unless you do play it in that kind of broken down. Which is something I did like about the original book. I know it had its flaws, but it was that kind of this is a very basic in the box lid. Just so I can you confirm, you're turns... talking about N17 or original original Necromancer? Oh no, no, the um, N17. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, it did try and simplify a lot of the uh, aspects of the game, and I, I like. I think you mentioned this in the last uh, broadcast, actually, which was the. You know, they're drip feeding it to us so as not to sort of go, here's everything and the giant, giant, like triple telephone book kind of size, you know, in instruction manual that you're going to need for playing this game. Yeah, in a way, I love the fact that you can just, right, we're just doing a straightforward Dominion campaign, forgets the Law Miss Rule, forgets um, Dark Uprising. Uh, sorry, the um, the Book of Roman. You, you're losing all of them aspects. It's just a straightforward vanilla game. You can use the gangs out of those, you know what I mean? But we're stripping away those extra kind of... Or how do you fancy chucking in some bad zones and environments? And, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. You know what I mean? And, and maybe we'll limit, like, oh, we'll have a couple of cards that we play during this game, and that'll change, like, the environmental kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And if not, if it's somebody who's only, you know what I mean, who's not sure what they're doing, strip it right back, you know what I mean? Okay, uh, you've got this many points, that many points, that's your gang, that's this gang. We're just trying to kill each other. Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, I've got this secret ulterior motive that I'm not supposed to tell you about. It's like a secret uh, objective. Yeah. Which are all cool, but it's great that they're totally kind of... It's just um, extra layers of flavour for people yeah. who have been playing the game a while and don't need to reach for the rule book every two minutes. Although, weirdly, I've been playing it for two years now and I still have to reach for the rule book occasionally because I can't oh, no, remember absolutely. what something is. Is it a plus one to this or a plus one to that? Or does it do this I've, thing I'm, instead? I'm really bad for it. In fact, you know, I admitted last uh, episode it, I, I'd only ever played the original campaign before. I've still not played actual Dominion campaign because I didn't have a group and uh, the guy I play with, my brother, he's been away um, since like um, before the summer and he's not back till January. So the game I had the other day that I was telling you about with um, Pete, uh, that was... Yeah, that's the first game I've had in months and months. Really enjoyed it, though. What a great guy. And uh, yeah, got to use uh, an environment, um, one of the environment effects. I'm going to start really using fun. those because I've not really played any games with the environments. I hear people coming back from those games going, oh, it's really cool, this kind of weird random thing kicked off. But I've not actually got around to using them yet. I think I think having them as actual random can be a bit... I'm not sure about that because sometimes the you're playing on like an industrial board and then killer plants jump out. That doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> But if you, do you know what I mean? If if you limit it, if you like, if you pick, if you carefully like, um, select a mini deck for that game, like a, a little pack, and then like choose, like decide between yourselves. You know what I mean? House rule, how you're gonna draw them? Like, do they just get drawn at the beginning of each, um, uh, each turn, and then you roll a, generally you roll a dice to see if the effect continues yeah. or if it goes away. 
um yeah just a great little kind of flavor to the to the game absolutely really. and it's great tools for arbitrators as well oh no definitely All right um last thing to mention then just for hot in the hive i think is the little tactics card that comes with white dwarf as well um so i really like the idea of it and i'm glad that they put it in there it's called a present for you and basically it allows you to uh, have a surprise grenade pop up on your enemy at any point when someone activates it could literally be any activation at any point in the game um, and you just go right there's now a uh, three inch template over that person and it's either going to be a photon grenade a frag grenade or a gas grenade that goes off or something to that effect it's actually a card that's going to work really well for people who are going up against corpse grinders because it means you could play that straight onto someone who's infiltrated onto your side of the board if you want to sort of stop that from happening and of course it stops that activation happening as well uh if you get like a photon go off if anyone's close to them as well then there's a chance that they're going to lose their activation as well so you know it's, it's a nice little card i mean it does work to the corpse grinders favor as well but yeah, you know, i'm trying to focus on a lot of the things <laughs> that don't work in their favor at the moment just to sort of try and calm people down a bit go oh, yeah they aren't invincible they can be killed they do bleed i'm just gonna after this um recording i'm gonna record me going <laughs> And every time you mention their name, I want you to Edit play that in. over the top. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Um, <laughs> right, okay, in which case then, as far as I'm concerned, Chris, that's it for Hot in the Hive. Still no sign of Craig anywhere, though. Starting to get a bit worried about him, so we'll have to look into that one if we can. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to mention uh, regarding Hot in the Hive? No, I'm all good, bud. Awesome. Right. In which case, then, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to hand over to Pomwell Brassbolt for a local news report. Take it away, Pomwell. Blessings upon you, Stephen, for the Emperor is merciful. Today I am at the site of a burnt-out derelict substation in the Northern Quarter, where reports suggested that earlier on a sizable group of gang members had gathered here to stage some kind of unorthodox practices of faith. In this instance, setting themselves ablaze with Prometheum as a sign of their devotion to the God Emperor. Whilst it looked like the ensuing fires have now been suppressed, so far seven bodies have been recovered from the scene, only two of which have been deemed suitable for processing by the Corpse Guild. However, in an odd twist, it transpires on further investigation that there are two separate gangs involved, both considered to be followers of extremist interpretations of Cordor beliefs. Normally, minor deviances from the true path are tolerated by the faithful, however it seems that in this instance tolerance and forgiveness were far from the thoughts of the gangers as the conflict quite literally ignited. Interestingly, from the recovered bodies, it is believed that there may have been the taint of the warp upon both parties. One gang seemed to heavily consist of illegal mechanical body modifications, whilst the other had horribly mutated heads resembling some kind of carved gourd. At this time, it is still unclear what, if you'll forgive the phrasing, sparked the conflict. Enforcers are asking for anyone with information about this incident to come forward. In this reporter's opinion, the Emperor's will led to the cleansing of the unworthy, and so can only be thought of as an absolute win. This is Pomwell Brassball for Sump City Radio. Back to the studio. You are now about to witness Sump City Radio. <laughs> Okay, welcome back, listeners. We'll move on with our new segment called The War Room. Welcome to The War Room. Let's talk tactics. 
In this segment, we're going to talk specifically about one gang at a time and break them down into things like the pros and cons for them, uh, what kind of tactics cards work well with them, what loadouts really work, and so on. Uh, for those of you that like to play a little bit more competitively, this is definitely going to be your thing. But maybe you just want to look at how to play your gang differently. Uh, you could find that you're on a bit of a losing streak at the moment and want some advice as to how you could pick up your game. But that's the kind of thing that we're looking to achieve with this segment. Also in this segment, we'll be introducing our first guest speaker to the show, and that's a longtime friend of mine, Jess Lee Simpkins. So, Jess, you want to say hello? Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm hoping it's actually going to be very useful. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a heads up, Jess Lee is uh, someone who I use as a bar for my playing abilities <laughs> because he basically whips my ass every single time that we play a game. And if I feel that I've even made him pause for a moment to consider what to do next, I've, that's a success as far as I'm concerned. I know that I'm not going to win. So as long as I'm getting some kind of success out of it, that's a plus for me. So uh, I think he's going to be really useful for this section and, and helping us break the gangs down, if not actually leading it. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, in which case then, uh, as you might have suspected with what we suggested in the last episode, we're going to be talking about the Corpse Grinder cult this time. And they already seem to be causing a little bit of a stir because people are throwing around words like overpowered already. And I think this is kind of similar to the situation that we had when Van Sar first came out beforehand, wasn't it? Uh, I think that actually comparing them to Van Sar is pretty apt because when they came out, it seemed that they had a whole slew of bonuses and equipment, tactics and special abilities that really pushed them towards being one of the defining shooty ranged gangs, but flipped on to melee overdrive. Yeah. So it's going to be quite interesting to see. It made it very difficult down. for everyone else, certainly, because of like ballistic skill 2+. plus. You know, They're not going to get much better than that. But anyway, I'm going to hand over to Jess for the rest of the segment, and obviously me and Chris will chip in whilst uh, Craig's away. So Jess, take it away. Sweet. Um, so yeah, continuing on with the Van Sar comparison, it's quite interesting because they were, straight off the bat, much better shooters because they had the extra point in ballistic skill, which from their stat line was taken away from their uh, movement speed. If a corpse grinder cult, they've swapped it around. They've kept their movement five, so they're faster than Goliath, but dropped their ballistic skill. It might be a handicap in general, but they've also removed all ranged weapons from the leaders, the champions, the base gangers. So what you've got is a really refined, focused approach of your heavy hitters want to close in the gap as soon as possible, and your juves provide the distraction fire and try to get it done. It, for me at least, makes it interesting because you always have a dilemma when you're starting with a thousand point list of I have all these different weapons in my house list, what do I give each person and do I have the mix of close combat weapons and long range just to cover for all occasions or do I specialise in one thing over another? Not really got the choice so much with corpse grinders. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of axe, big cutty axe, big chain axe or little axe. And don't forget saw on a stick. Yeah, where you just swing <laughs> oh, around your head yes, four inches yes, away. No, you're absolutely right. Circular saw that <laughs> definitely doesn't yeah. look dangerous to swing around your head in the slightest. So um, it was probably worth throwing out a bit of a disclaimer for this segment as well, in the sense of how we've been playing with them and how we interpret the rules. But I don't know if you want to do that, Jess. Yeah. So um, obviously these are run by our um, own gaming group, so it might be a bit different wherever you play. But it's always worth discussing that we'll be approaching it with a certain bias. So, for instance, we've looked at the rulebook, and it states that in an uprising campaign, they don't have access to the trading post or black market. 
because no one does. But it then goes on to say in Dominion campaigns and law and misrule, they're treated as any other gang and outlaws. So we're operating on the assumption, for now, it may get house-ruled in future, that they will have access to the black market and trading post as outlaws. Um, another thing we do when we're playing is we have a certain approach to versatile weapons. We allow a charge to stop outside of base contact as long as you're within versatile range. Because if you've got a spear that's cumbersome or minus one to hit point blank, you're going to stop earlier on so you can stab them freely. Similarly, you can make a fight action with versatile weapons as long as they're within range. So that gives a lot more versatility when you're standing up from pinned or moving out of cover. You just don't get the momentum of the charge for the extra attack. And it's also worth pointing out that we'll be approaching it from a largely zone mortalis view of tactics because that's what comes from the box. If you've got corpse grinders, you'll probably have the new plastic terrain and that's what's going to be a lot of the uh, battlefields you'll be taking place on. Just so, so we don't get people crying, <laughs> no, that's not how we do things, so this doesn't apply. We're just saying right now, that's how we've, we've been doing things and that's what this is all based so, on. Sorry, just to represent the people who aren't in your gaming group, as I'm not, um, because obviously you have a kind of shorthand with each other. So when you're saying versatile weapons, are you still using them as standard that you could be the two or three inches or however many inches away the versatile offers you and just do an attack that way? But you can also use it on the charge, as even if the charge wasn't to get you into base-to-base -base contact, if the charge just got you in range with your versatile weapon. Is that what you're suggesting there? Yes. So right. you can either okay. do a charge action to move that extra 5 plus D3 inches and getting the extra attack, because that represents you using all the momentum to run into range and focus on the attack. But also cool. you can make a fight basic action, as long as you're standing, to attack those around you, which gets pretty messy when you've got a four-inch range. Yeah, that makes versatile a really scary um, trait on a weapon, actually, which is good, a good mm. thing. I'm not I'm not uh, arguing against that, just to be clear. And the other thing about the black market, did you mean from gang creation they have access, or just during the thing of uh, during the duration of the campaign oh just during the um progression of the campaign right my arsehole just that. relaxed a tiny little <laughs> bit there hopefully it did for a lot of viewers as yeah. well <laughs> but no I, I think there's interpretations of how the rules have been written and then there's like blatant disregard for it and it would yeah. fall yeah but if it was your if, if it was your gaming group you could all agree with yourself between yourselves and that would be fine but yeah just to just to clarify that's all like i say it's for people who you know, aren't in your gaming group like me. Oh, no, that, that's totally fair. That's yeah. totally yeah. fair. And if you do cool. pick up any more of that, feel free to chip in so we can make it as it's open clear. as possible. Yeah. No worries. Right, go for it, man. Okay, so one of the big things with an all-melee gang is you've got to look at how they're going to close in, how they're going to avoid getting pinned, because pinning is death, and then how they're going to make sure that they profit from combat, overwhelm, and see it through ready to meet the next turn. And it looks like Games Workshop has really given them a tool for every possible category. So looking just straight in, they've given every member of the gang a bonus skill at creation. For the initiates, this comes in the form of infiltrate. So they're juves that can be absolutely anywhere. Um, they're gangers. The skinners have berserker. So on the charge, they get an extra attack as well as the one for charging. The champions have a unique skill or ability called dervish. So when they're making a fight action with a versatile weapon, they have a 360 degree vision arc. And the leader has first to the fray 
a unique ability that increases his charge bonus movement to d6 instead of d3. So straight off the bat, he is the fastest melee combatant you can get, which is absolutely terrifying, as we'll look in later. The second bonus is that they're very, very tanky. All of the masks offer some kind of improved armor. For the Juves, Gangers, and Champions, that's a straight-up plus one to any armor worn, which stacks with armored undersuits. It's not unheard of in the past, because Vansar and the Enforcers have their armored suits from creation, but none of those stack. So they're a melee gang, which can be very, very tanky on the approach, and then survive the counterattack. For the leader, that gets even more interesting, because instead of a plus one armor bonus, they get essentially an invulnerable save. A 6 plus save they can choose to take instead of their armor, which can never be modified by armor pen. So, like, practical situation there. You've just been hit by a weapon that's got, like, minus 3 or minus 4 AP. And you're like, there's no way I'm even going to get an armor save against that. So you just go, fuck it, just roll this dice. If I get a 6, it's better than what I've got currently. Yep, you can throw it to the gods in the face of a multi-melter, a las cannon, even a power weapon that has rolled a 6 and would ignore any other armor you've got, even your straight-up 2-plus from energy shield mesh and armored undersuit, you can have a chance that your face mask will protect it. Just visually, I, I like the idea that any kind of weapon comes flying in, hits them in the face, and just stops. And you've got this corpse grinder staring at you like, really, mate? You want to hit me in the face? Sometimes you just have to face a problem head-on. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saving that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all right, lads. I'll stop it with my face. <laughs> Mm. It's so dirty. So, it so it's dirty. my face-to-fist fighting technique. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm it's sorry. Tough. Obviously, generally, you're going to want it because they start with plate mail and armoured undersuit. So generally, you'll be wanting to use the armour bonus. But there were times when it will come in handy. You will roll that six and you'll just come off shining for it. Yeah, and you'd be swinging your dick around for the rest of the game after that, wouldn't you, really? There's we no, call them rotary You've, you've got bragging rights. You've absolutely got bragging rights if you pull that off. Mm. And if you're a champion, you've got a 360-degree stick swinging going on as well. Yeah, proper windmill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then when you crunch the numbers, everyone's starting with a bonus skill. And that's on top of the skill that you choose from your primary for your leaders and champions. So that's 20 credits worth of advance you're getting for free which is 9 XP in a game. Think about um, if you've played many campaigns, it's normally two or three games of succeeding and doing well before you can get a bonus like that. But these get it across the board from the start. So that's 20 credits on every fighter. Then the armoured undersuits. They're 25 credits from the trading post, except for the leader's mask, because that is almost unique. The closest thing you can get is a refractor field, which is 50 credits from the trading post with a rare roll. And that is admittedly a 5-plus save, but it has a chance of failing. So even at half of that value, at a 6-plus save, which can't fail, that's got to be worth a good 25 credits. So matching the armoured undersuit across to everyone. So currently they've got a huge boost in how they approach the game and how much damage they can take. But it doesn't stop there. The masks also give an extra skill or two. Oh, God, but wait, there's more. Oh, yeah. th- that's going to be a phrase you will hear. Yeah. Um, because for the basic gangers, the skinners, the mask gives the berserker skill, where you need to make a willpower test if you want to charge them. So not only are they getting a plus one attack when they're charging, you have to test to try and cut them off and steal the momentum from them. 
which is a real danger. But the leaders and the champions have the mass which gives terrifying. If you want to attack them via range, making a shoot basic, or making a fight basic, you still have to make a willpower test. So you can't just stand there from long range at the end of a long las or a sniper rifle for the enforcers. There's a chance you won't be able to shoot them at all. Now, this raises something interesting, because I know that me and Chris have talked about like how Goliaths a bit, because obviously Blitz and Krieg on the show as well, and Krieg being a big old Goliath. <laughs> He's an intimidating chap, and the thing is, though, you look at willpower stats for Goliaths and their ability to engage corpse grinders, and Goliaths are supposed to be this big intimidating force. They're supposed to be the big, scariest brutes of the game, but their willpower is statistically is, is the crappiest. What, what's their stats for that again? They are very, very bad. We looked through the book to see how the matchups work, and Goliaths have the worst one because their leaders and champions only have willpower 8. Gangers willpower 9 and Juves at willpower 10. For most gangs, it's a split of 5, 6, 7, 8. But Goliaths literally have the worst chance of being able to charge them, again, where they thrive, because they're strength 4, toughness 4 bodies, basically, with all the knockback weapons and the cleavers and all the fun stuff that they have, but also to shoot them. So when you've got your grenade launchers firing crack grenades and you've got your bolters, because they're on the house list, which is gorgeous, Mm. you're still going to have a chance of failing to deal with them at all. And the other worst one is actually the Corpse Grinder mirror match. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We had some vigorous testing, which ended up with a couple of wasted activations because the Corpse Grinders have five plus willpower on the leader, but seven on the champions, eight on the gangers and nine on the juves. So they're just as likely to have a really bad go, where in the mirror match, you're taking multiple turns and nothing's actually happening. A disagreement between corpse grinder factions is a very interesting one because they're (laughs) really angry and they want to attack each other, but they're too scared of each other. (laughs) Yeah, so the actual momentum of the game as it goes would be really interesting because if one succeeds, they're probably going to wipe whatever it hits out. But there'll also be a bit where they're staring and roaring and just telling how hungry they are to each other. (laughs) On the flip side, the gangs that do really, really well against them are also in the Book of Ruin because the Helic Courts and the Gene Stealer Courts have phenomenal willpower. The best being the Gene Stealers, at willpower five on both of the depths seven on the champions but six on the basic gangers that's pretty cool yeah so they're not going to be scared at all of charging in which is great because obviously you have the high strength aberrants you have all the rock saws as you might have seen earlier on (laughs) personal grudge um so they'll be able to really succeed against them because they're driven by a higher power similarly the helic cults because they've got willpower six on the leader, only eight on the champs, which is a bit knife edge, but six on basic gangers, or basics on the witch, and seven on basic gangers. And the fun fact of the spawn is they always pass cool and willpower tests. So they won't be perturbed by this angry man staring at them at all. Mm. They will just shuffle off towards it and hopefully take him down. Yeah, that's assuming you've rolled a good spawn though, isn't it? You know what I mean? If you've got this amazing <laughs> kind of immune to the mask's effect but only has like well, a five weapon skill or whatever. <laughs> You're shit out of luck anyway, basically, aren't you? You are. But if you can um, charge in and hold them up, that means they're not getting the bonuses from charging. They're not getting bull charge on the leader or the extra attacks from Berserker. Yeah. So you can hold them off. I'm not saying it'll last long, but you've got to remember a spawn is also immune to anything except uh, out of action results. 
So there's a certain tankiness on even the most rubbish spawn. Yeah, the, I suppose they're a good way to glue them up, to gum them into a place, and yeah, while your other guys get ready to take pot shots or whatever. Just a real meaty roadblock. Yeah. So see, all of these free things come into quite a substantial credit bonus. Because if you look at 25 for the undersuit, 20 for the infiltrate skill, on a ganger they're also getting their free uh, fearsome, and on the leaders they're getting the terrifying range bonus on top. So you're looking at between 95, oh, 65 and 95 credit bonus for every single fighter in the gang compared to anything that's not Vansar. And that's a, obviously your Jews have a better baseline stats as well, don't they? So you're getting the increase on that as well, really, aren't you? They do. The best comparison for the initiates is the Vansar Juve, who at 35 credits has a higher ballistic skill than any other Juve in the game. But then initiates come in with essentially a gang of stat line. They're four plus weapon skill and ballistic skill. So even compared to Vansar, that's an extra stat upgrade, which is another 20 credits on top. And then you've got the armor problem as well, haven't you? Because again, I think, is it Vansar Jews get undersuits? Yep, they get an undersuit. Okay, so, so they're comparable. an exception, but there are certain Jews, I think pretty much every other Jew, in fact, that starts with no armor at all. Yeah. Whereas not only, what is it, these guys, they get flak. Yep, they get and, flak on initiatives. And the mask. And the mask. So they're 25 credit Jews is coming in with 25 credit undersuit, a ganger body, which usually 35 credits plus using helic cults as a baseline, 20 credits for infiltrate skill, 10 credits for flak, and at least one weapon, uh, one stat upgrade of, again, 20 credits. And because of the gang composition, it's actively encouraging you to take more of the initiates than anything else anyway. Yeah, whereas most gangs have the build-up of you need more gangers than non-gangers, corpse grinders break with this tradition as they do a lot of things so you have to have more initiates their juves than skinners their gangers they don't have the restriction of more non-leaders and champions than leaders and champions which is strange but it pushes you or incentivizes you to have a lot of initiates and they pull a lot of weight because of how focused the house list is so obviously you've got this infiltrating screen of fighters who are very cheap and have a lot of bonuses with infiltrate you can deploy six inches away from enemies out of sight which means you're in that lovely mid-ground between your melee fighters and the opponent's fleshy gang, which is the perfect space to drop 15 credit smoke grenades. And again, this is focused on zone mortalis, but if you have smoke grenades, that's a 40 credit body with armored undersuit, with infiltrate skill, with better weapon skill, with better ballistic skill, and flak armor. And for so 40 credits, you've got your smoke grenade. Throw it down, hits on a 4+. plus. If you pass the, you know, make the grenade weapon check, and you keep them on a 4+. plus. If you miss, you scatter d6 inches. Again, on Zone Mortalis, you're more likely to hit a wall or a narrow corridor and not stray too far. So you're pretty reliable smoke cover. And at 40 credits, four of those initiates is only 160 out of your starting list. So you think about this in practical terms. You have a, a starting gang with a reasonable number of initiates in it that means that they're going to infiltrate so they're starting close to the enemy they drop a bunch of smoke grenades and because they're starting six inches away from the enemy this is of course assuming that you get the first first oh gun. yeah scenario you start allowing drop, you start dropping smoke down and it means that they're going to have to move through it which is a double move which means they can't do anything to, once they get on the other side which means they're then open to anyone else you've got infiltrating with like hand flamers or whatever else you mm. want to throw at them because they can have anything yeah. <laughs> harpoon gun heavy plasma cannon you know <laughs> yeah well not on the house list not but the house eventually list, but, yeah. because they break with dupe tradition again 
because they don't have any weapon restrictions. The house list allows them pistols, special weapons, and heavies. Admittedly, they don't have access to any innate basic weapons, so the reliable over 18-inch range. But what they do have is short-range templates. And templates just over 8.5 inches. And when you deploy 6 inches away from them, that's incredibly dangerous. I don't know if you've been on the receiving end of many templates. Anyone other than Steve and my Chaos Flame again? No, I've been on the receiving end of many templates. I don't know about you, Chris. Fought some Cordor with my Vansa. My brother ran a (laughs) Cordor gang. And it was hand flamers and my dual plasma wielding champ spent the rest of the game running around the board screaming, being completely ineffective. Yeah, yeah. really depressing. Gotta love those corridor, especially in a mirror match, because that's what me and Craig played a while back, where it's uh, that um, get the relic or whatever it is from the other gang. Mm-hmm. And so literally we're running in and we're both yeah. setting each other on fire. And there was one point in the game where I think literally everyone on the board was either on fire or running away scared from being on fire <laughs> so yeah <laughs> templates are a very powerful way of messing up a gang very quickly especially if blaze is involved yeah so you've seen just how disruptive that early advantage can be mm. but generally you've got a couple of turns where you can try and shoot them slow them down pin them or kill them before they can get into range when you're infiltrating closing the gap's not a problem in the same example we'll go for four initiates on a list because that's generally yeah, easy bodies you've got two dropping smoke covers then two more come out of nowhere, dropping templates on the opponent enemy. If they're stopping to deal with your 25 credit body, they're not preparing themselves for the champions and leaders that's coming in unhindered. Yep. So we're already starting to see how people... So are we in agreement that Corpse Grinder Cult, the letter L should be replaced with the letter N? <laughs> not yet. We'll save that. We'll save that. Let the listeners decide. But <laughs> right. it's a strong case. Okay, right. You've come in here, Jess Lee and you're a very pleasant chap, and, and I've got time for you, and you've described this horrible, horrific gang that, in my opinion, even cheesier than Vansar. <laughs> how do I beat them? Um, well, we'll discuss that later, because I haven't told you just how scary they are. That's just the freebies they get. Oh, God. But wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there's more. Wait, so hang on. When my arsehole <laughs> relaxed ever so slightly at the fact they don't have immediate access to the black market, it's I'm just getting ready for a good old tight pucker, am I? Is that what we're yeah. saying? Yeah. Oh, that is exactly it. I apologise to the listeners if there's an audible squeak. Yeah, so one of the main advantages they have is, again, the double-edged sword of not being able to take guns on the leaders and champions and gangers. So that focuses them very, very well. It puts the onus on the infiltrators to do the heavy lifting or the screen cover. So you use them to infiltrate, drop smoke, cause havoc with the hand flamers and disrupt them. And the thing is with smoke, unless you're prepared with infrasights and photo goggles, you can't shoot through it. You can't see through it. So you can't deal with the cannibals which are charging towards you with all the tasty melee weapons. Especially if you're enforcers. (laughs) Yeah, this is one that I've pointed out to the group because it's kind (laughs) of devastating. On the house list in the Book of Judgment, and in the Dark Uprising rulebook, enforcers only have access to photolumens, which help light up pitch dark scenarios. And without access to the trading post, they have no way of getting photo goggles. They do have infrasites, but you can't put infrasites on rapid fire or blast weapons, which means they're tasty combat shotguns, can't have them, the enforcer bolt guns with their sexy 4 plus ammo save, or the concussion carbines, the subjugated grenade launchers, which is the focus of their force, <laughs> can't shoot through smoke. Yeah. What that translates to, out of all the fun weapons on the list, 
You can put an infrasite on a stub gun, an auto pistol, and the sniper rifle. <laughs> I'm going to put this really expensive 40, 40 credits, 40, 45 40 credits? 40 credits? 40 credits scope onto a five credit pistol. <laughs> because that's the only thing that can get through these infiltrating smoke screens and deal with the cannibals that are racing towards you. And it's pointless putting it on the sniper. But they're saving on a five plus, four plus some of them, and then or just rolling the D6 yeah, and see yeah. if they ignore the shot altogether. So that's tough. And this went through playtesting for the game. Beautiful. I brought up, obviously we've brought the box, and it's gorgeous, and the enforcer are very cool, and the cor- corpse grinders are very, very cool. I would love to interview the people from Games Workshop who do the playtesting and go... So, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, and not one of them had to use smoke grenades. And not yeah. one of them realised the weapons couldn't see through it. Yeah. That that was an interesting way of pronouncing <laughs> the word slap, Stephen. Interview. <laughs> and it, you, right, so, okay, okay. Necromunda player, the Necromunda player, the Necromunda player, the three of us in the room. Um, Who would you have put in the box with them if you wanted it to be competitive? Do you think they've put the right gang in the box against Corpse Grinder Cults? An entirely new gang that doesn't exist yet. I'll be honest, enforcers on paper, ignoring smoke grenades, even if you just had access to photo goggles instead of infrasites, enforcers have a huge bonus or a lot of strengths against Corpse Grinders. They've got blast weapons as we've said in the concussion carbine and mm-hmm. the sub- subjugated grenades. They've got heavy, high power, high damage bolters. And they've got templates in the combat shotgun. They've got melee interception in threat response, the skill from the Palatine drills list, where if an opponent charges and you're within six inches, you can counter charge, which is fantastic because then you can attack them mm-hmm. before they get their six attacks on the charge and try and take them out. But all of that is stimmied by the fact that you're not shooting anything but pistols through smoke grenades and then they're charging out of you. So the simple addition of photo goggles would make Enforcers a very, very strong competitor. To be fair, um, that's the kind of thing that I expect most people are going to immediately house list. Because if you think of Helmar's finest being given all the equipment that they desire to uphold law and Necromunda, but then they go... You know, could we put in this requisite form for some night vision goggles, please? And he's like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course you can't have those. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh. <laughs> That's the dangerous thing, because every single house gang has access to photo goggles as basic. Every gang. All every the six. Every underhive scum The helic cultists, the gene stealer cults. <laughs> obviously, venators have access to everything. Yeah. But everyone, except the enforcers, have access to an ability to see through smoke with any weapon. Which, at least in our universe, is normally classed as military-grade equipment, unless you're an airsofter, in which case they seem to be able to get hold of it really easily. But, yeah, it's <laughs> the case of that military should have these things and not normal people, not the other way around. Yeah, so that they've been let down on that. Dude, they could, they could have a... They could have a 1990s camcorder from Sony and have fucking night vision on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> to be fair, 1990 is a good 38,000 years earlier, so <laughs> they may not have them working anymore. Surely that's classed as archaeotech. <laughs> <laughs> a Nokia 3210 would still work, mind. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. So back to the house list. Yeah, back to the house list. Uh... We've said smoke grenades on infiltrating bodies is really good, but they also have frag grenades. So you've got the, again, blast template... You can knock people back, knock them prone, disrupt their formation. If they're prone, they're not going to be able to stand up and or not being able to counter charge you when you come out. 
They're not going to aim and shoot you. So if they've gone for infrasight, like the enforcers, instead of photo goggles, you can't aim with it. Um, they have crack grenades, which are okay, but they also are the only or oh, second gang to get incendiary charges. And have you had the joy of facing any of these yet? I haven't personally. No, I've I've not used. Uh, well, prepare yourself because it's a five-inch blast, strength three, with blaze. What I will suggest, <laughs> though, Chris, is as a corridor wow. player, if you get bomb rats and attach incendiary grenades to them, they are really good fun because people don't know what to do with them. Side note: also a great tactic against corpse grinders. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I, that's what I was just thinking. There was surely that's not a bad idea. Just literally mm-hmm. throw out five bomb rats, six bomb rats as quick as you can, flood a corridor. If you're not brave enough to fruit shoot them yourself, throw your rats in. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what rats are for, isn't it? So they've got all these options. <laughs> and because grenades are war gear, not weapons, it bypasses the no guns on the leaders and champions. So as we've said, if you're charging as a double action, if you get yes. pinned, you can't do it. It's as simple as that. So when you stand up, you're most likely going to be moving around because you don't have a gun to shoot, like a lot of leaders and champions would have a backup pistol or maybe a last gun if you were Asher. This way, you can just stand up and pop a grenade off. The leaders and champions are strength four. Admittedly, ballistic skill five, but strength four. So that's a 12-inch range. That's a pistol. The thing is, though, if you go back to our old friend, the smoke grenade, as a, like, a champion ganger or leader, I suppose, with Corpse Grinder Colt, you can do the whole Batman thing. You stand up, poof, smoke grenade at your feet and you just disappear into this smoke and then the next turn you're charging back in and that's the reliability because even if you miss you're scattering d6 inches it's a five inch blast chances are good that you'll still be within range of it and if they haven't got the goggles and the tech they can't shoot you to pin you which is pretty big uh nothing you can run through it freely so you could be charged if they pass the willpower test for terrifying Mm. or fearsome on the gangers but generally, if you're getting pinned, you could be you know, within range if you've just got a charge off. Potentially, this could be another house rule issue, though, isn't it? Because I believe that ch- charging without line of sight is something that in the past has been debated by people as either, well, this is a rules as written versus rules as interpreted kind of thing. Or it's just people going, you know what, that's daft. You're not going to run around a corner charging Leroy Jenkins just to you know, meet what's ever <laughs> around that corner. Um, so they might just house rule that out. Yeah. So if you do that, that immediately again, you know, weakens the whole corpse grinder position. See, whereas I would find it difficult to believe that you could charge into smoke because you couldn't see yeah. the person, or, or while you were in the smoke cloud, it would have to be totally. You, there must have to be a penalty for doing that for well, me. It's pitch black rules, uh, isn't it? That has a penalty for charging. Isn't yeah, it? that restricts charging to three inches, but. The base rules for charging, you it doesn't say anything about line of sight. And Yak Tribe, which is one of my favorite resources, mm-hmm. and the YAQ community edition for the modern Necromunda highlights the fact that there is no requirement for line of sight for chargers. So your mileage may vary depending on your size house rules, but from our perspective and what we've seen in the rule book, it's never been required. So if you stand up from pinned, you put a smoke grenade in your near vicinity, chances are you're not going to get shot, so you're standing for your next charge. So they're incredibly resilient. Uh, We've mentioned before that they have armor. And plate mail is strictly better furnace plate. So it's the same thing where you get a six-up save, but it's five up to your front. So it's exactly the same as as furnace plate, except it always counts as a five-plus bonus against blasts. 
which is pretty big because uh, blasts are one of the big ways to get around terrifying. Which we'll cover more when we get to the, the, the yeah. bit of the show yeah. that everyone really wants to hear, which is the, how do I kill <laughs> these bastards? But um, I think just quickly then, it's probably worth moving on to if we allow the black market to be used in a campaign that's not uprising, this is where it gets really, really nasty with corpse grinders. Because if you go, oh, you're going to see a blit of bloody overly, aren't you? <laughs> well, no, mate, that's not the worst of it. Because, and I'm sorry, I'm taking away no, from just thinking, but I'm just so excited to mention this bit. Uh, one of the things that really helps fighting against corpse grinders is the fact that they don't have access to the ferocity skill tree. Mm-hmm. Now, um, on that skill tree, you get things like... Um, Nerves of Steel is the main yeah. go-to for combat, where if you would be pinned from shooting, you would take a cool check, and if you pass, you're not pinned. So that's what they don't have access to as a standard. However, on the black market, because of all the drugs that you can now get, if you get friends on, you've immediately got that. Now, okay, yes, you run the risk of them getting addicted to it, but you spend a couple more credits and you get the collar... You've got it permanently without the fear of addiction and you've got access to all these extra skills which with corpse grinders just makes them absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, so just to build up on that, Friends On from the Black Market is a drug which costs 20 credits for the base stuff or 30 30 credits for a collar where you don't have to find a dealer to get more. It's always just constantly pumping. It gives you access to four ferocity skills. It gives you nerves of steel, where you make a cool check not to get pinned, so you can keep that momentum, keep the uh, impetus on the charge. You get berserk charge, uh, berserker, so that you get the extra attack on the charge, which is already big when you're doing an awful lot. You get unstoppable, so you can recover from flesh wounds you've lost if you're um, down and dying. And you get true grit, so that if you're hit by multi-damage weapons, it reduces the damage for the injury dice that you rolled. So you're more likely to shrug off even damage to bolters. They're just doing one injury dice. Or if it's single shot, uh, single dice attacks, you force a reroll and you choose which one you like. So that's the tippy top of the black market iceberg, though, because when you get access to all the other things, like was it balefire flamethrowers <laughs> on an infiltrating juve that's also got a falsehood, so nobody can attack it until it attacks them first. That's when things get really, really nasty for corpse grinder cards. Yeah, so any of the big fancy showpieces in the black market are just as good, if not better, for corpse grinders because you're not putting it on a high-risk body. Uh, Balefire throwers are strength 4 flamers with minus 1 AP, I believe, but damage 2, which is 1 higher than normal. It's got blaze, Mm -hmm. as usual, template, but also cursed. So anyone hit by it is pinned immediately takes a strength four ap minus one hit if that wounds they'll take two damage instead of one they'll have a 50 percent chance of being set on fire and after all of that they'll have to take a willpower test not to go insane i hate them (laughs) (laughs) but to be fair anyone who can access the trading post and the black market could get them but the difference is the proximity. Yeah, they don't have them springing up in your asshole <laughs> and shooting them straight off at you, though, do they? No. So it's going to be interesting because in the new year, we're planning to have a campaign with our little group, and we're going to be running a law and misrule campaign where the corpse grinders do have access to the trading post and black market as an outlaw gang. So with three or four corpse grinder players out of about 15, 
we should see just what damage that can cause and have a decent viewpoint of useful information on whether we can say they should or not, at least for our personal group. So I dare say you'll probably hear about that in the future. I am concerned about them as a overly chasey gang, mm. though, and that's coming from a Vansar player. Yeah, so. well, as, as you know, the onus is on the player. They have a huge amount of bonuses, but you don't have to make a cheesy gang and play win-at-all-costs to be enjoyable as an opponent. And as I think is really useful if you have a group who know you and you have your house rules. It's a bit harder with pickup games, but you, with Ansar, you don't have to take combi plasma on everyone. You don't need fast shot multi-melter, well, not fast shot multi-melters, but fast shot melter guns mm. and hydrostar shields. You can do just as well with a mix of the sub-carbines. I mean, I know if Craig was here, what he would say is that he would think that this is potentially another arbitrator tool. You've got the good guy arbitrator tool of you know your enforcers, which is always nice to have popping in the campaign. But then these could be like the bad guy equivalent of that. Um, so I, I can definitely see that being a nice, scary response to something. But, um, yeah, that was absolutely Craig's immediate reaction to them, wasn't it? Was that that's where he saw them being most kind of useful in that, like, you get a, a gang that's just running away from everybody else, chuck those bad boys in, teach them a little bit of a lesson in humility, back to back to uh, back to the campaign as a whole. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely something that they will be used as. But for now, at least, because this and this is the thing as well that maybe some people are kind of forgetting on on a surface level at least anyway this is the first gang that games workshop have brought out that is completely brand new and by all means if someone knows something from like ye olde necromunda correct me on this if i'm wrong but to my knowledge at least all the other houses that have been released so far including chaos and gene stealers because i know i've read the ye olde scenarios for the old necromunda where people have gone oh let's put chaos cultists in this or gene stealers or something like that they already exist in the universe corpse grinders this is completely brand new um so i think this is something that needs to be sort of taken on board with this maybe they've, they've got a little bit overexcited <laughs> in this kind of well we've got a new mm. gang let's give all this cool stuff and therefore it's ended up like it has but then again, maybe this is something that we're going to see uh, on yeah. gangs that come again. Yeah, and, and like as Jess Lee said, it, it relies on the person that you're playing not being a dick. And let's be honest, you don't want to play with that guy anyway, do you? No. It, it, it's like, as a guy who did run the standard Vansar um, template, uh, ran a couple of campaigns with my brother, um, just the standard um, initial campaign. Um, and after the second like run-through, it, it got boring for him and me. Yeah. In that, you know, I, I, yeah, I still lost at times, but I knew exactly what I was doing every turn. It was the same, the same tried and tested and eventually very tired kind of, right, fast shot, hip shot, whatever. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's my loadout. Whereas now, when I, I had a one-off, um, as I'm sure people are seeing on the page, um, against an Orlock gang, uh, and I tried quite an experimental build. Um, a couple of stand. I mean, you can't deviate too far from what makes Vansar good. Otherwise, you nerf yourself beyond being even remotely competitive. Yes. I'm not a competitive player, but I don't like just getting bottling in the first couple of activations. There's no fun in that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it, you're just relying on the fact that people 
will want to get games. You only get games if you a good spot and you're fun to play. So it's just on paper, they're absolutely ridiculous. They are. There's and nobody can convince me otherwise. And I think what you just said there, Steve, it's that whole. This is our first brand new gang created from the ground up, from scratch. Let's make it a beast. And probably they were concerned that with it being a pure melee gang, I know they're not pure melee. And as we've all seen that list going around with the ridiculous hand flame infiltrators and one leader, that shows that people can immediately see the the ability to... Um, to break it, basically. Yeah, essentially. But that is what they're doing, though. They're breaking the game with that. And, yeah, like we've said several times there, that's just going to mean that you have a lovely gang that you sit at home with and don't get a phone call to come around and join in what next time a yeah, campaign's been. you're around. absolutely right. It's a little disappointing for me because when I first learned what the Corpse Grinder story was, I was like, you know what? That sounds like the next gang that I would really like to play because I did like the idea of a close combat gang because I tried to do that with Goliaths, but you know, smoke grenades weren't my friend at the time. I weren't really sure how to use them effectively. I'm a, bit, a lot better with that now. Um, but it's a case of that I wanted that kind of thing from a gang because um, I thought it got a bit too shooty sometimes. So I really like the concept of it and I really like the direction they've gone with it, but I am afraid that people won't want to play me if I play Corpse Grinders. So I'm hoping, though, that that will actually lead me to creating some lists which are actually interesting for me to play as, but they're not me ripping the piss out of people, basically. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's what I'm going to say on that, because I know that we're just dying to get to the point now of you know, talking about <laughs> how the fuck do we take these bastards down. Okay, so... Luckily, all of the gangs have something on the house list to answer it. The first protocol is photo goggles and infrasites. Everyone but enforcers have both. So you can put the infrasites on any like one-shot reliable weapons, which then ignores smoke, ignores darkness, and lightens cover. Photo goggles will just see through the dark and through the smoke and give you a clean shot at the approaching tide of cannibals. Um... The default weapons for everyone will be flamers and grenade launchers and throwing grenades. If you play a template, you put the target on the board, not models, so it bypasses terrifying. Likewise, with the auto-pinning being the most disruptive aspect, because if they're down, they're not charging. So just to clarify there, what we're saying is, is template weapons are going to be crucial because you're not going, I am shooting that model. You're just going, this is where my template's going. Like with grenades, you can choose to put it at a point on the board rather than the model. And by doing that, you're getting around the whole, yeah. I might not be able to actually shoot them now problem. Yep, because you're not targeting them, you're targeting the area. But the the thing with the the template weapons that you're, just, you're talking about, specifically like, say, hand flamers, flamers, uh, grenade launchers. I know there are others, but just for the sake of... Um, kind of simplicity yeah yeah or that's kind of the ones i've faced recently or used recently now one of the other cheese lists that people don't like is when goliath or orlock or whoever just spam grenade launchers because it's no fun just fighting a gang who are loaded with grenade launchers that it can get very yeah become a very cheesy list but the risk that you run with hand flamers and grenade launchers is the very high ammo roll. Mm-hmm. So, oh, definitely. Kind of, if you're countering this this uh, wave of pan shittingly 
fearsome creatures that are running towards you that you can't take a shot at unless you're using one of these weapons and on a five or a six you've lost all your weapon your, your ammo for that weapon it's it's a weak counter or, or a potentially weak counter well let's not forget that you can actually hand throw grenades and as a result anyone can pretty much do that and then as we touched on yeah, earlier no, no, on that's... you've got the bomb mm-hmm. rats as well for corridor and that's a really nice yeah. way of doing it because you just stick it on your rat and you can go right run that way and you are actually hitting the person if you can control the rat so you know it's, it's yeah. a different way of doing it but yeah you do have yeah. a point it's not that i disagree with you but purely to play devil's advocate with a grenade you automatically throw an ammo roll on every grenade thrown because yeah. it's just supposed to represent you just reaching into your pocket and going oh no i didn't bring that other one i left that on the kitchen that's fair. That's fair. counter or whatever yeah. oh they're definitely not infallible resources yeah. but these are the best ways or some of the easiest ways oh, to yeah. bypass the damage of terrifying a, a necromunda doesn't work with infallible that's yeah. why yeah. I, i'm happy to hear that there are counters and that there is kind of a you know what i mean there's a way to play against them oh definitely and the fun bit is beyond general flamers and grenades and grenade launchers each gang has their own flair on how they do it so we touched upon enforcers earlier if they can see so generally we'll house rule that you can get photo goggles because otherwise you can't use your fun stuff but then concussion carbines they fire blasts they pin they have concussion so you can reduce their initiative follow that up with a flashbang and suddenly they're only got a six plus to lose their action next turn prone cannibal that can't act mm. can't stand up can't charge can't do anything and that's pretty big so then the subjugator grenades can also do the damage they have um frag and stun and hardened armor is actually really really strong against the weapons of the corpse grinders because apart from the flensing knife and basic butchered cleaver all of the weapons, melee weapons on the house list are damage to AP minus two. So that's going to be cutting through any furnace plate, any flak, hazard suits, mesh armor. The only thing it's stopping, it is stopping against it, will be the Vansar and the Enforcers. So with hardened armor reducing the AP by minus one, or well by one, you're then taking a lot of the bite out of it so that the charge, mm-hmm. when it hits you, will be slightly lessened and you're more likely to survive and crack back, which will be vital. Actually, I have some pretty reliable tech through the grenades. And admittedly, yeah, we've got the high ammo checks, but they've got fun on the house list. You can use the photon flash grenades to take them out. They've got choke grenades because as scary as the strength and power on the charge is, only the leader's toughness four. So the ganger, champions, and juves are only toughness three. If you use choke against the toughness, it ignores all their sexy armor bonuses and you just take it, you're causing injury dice on a 3+. plus, So you can get that on grenade launchers, you can get them thrown, and you can do it on the chem thrower. So you can target a lot of them in a controlled area if you get close enough. Which is going to be nice, because on Escher lists, the chem thrower is something that tends to get overlooked a bit. Oh, definitely. Um, because it's easier to replicate the effect on cheaper weapons. So the fact that it gives some validity to earlier options, for me, is really, really cool. And don't forget, Escher have a natural affinity with toxins. So you've got the needle rifles doing it, and then you've got photo goggles and infrasight. So you're getting the high AP toxin rolls straight through. They've got... And what's the willpower on an Escher? Uh, better than the cool. A lot better than the cool. Uh, I think they fall on the same 5, 6, 7, 8 category. Uh, a right. couple of the gangs mix that around, but it's usually that standard progression for the house gangs, barring Still Goliath. sounds better than Goliath. It's an awful lot better than Goliath. <laughs> Cordor are very, very strong. Obviously, if you face blunderbusses like Steve has, you'll know that 40 credit templates with Blaze 
is big. Sure, you'll lose a couple of them to the enemy, but if you hit a couple, then you're knocking them down, you're setting them on fire, you're disrupting and stealing their momentum, and that'll be big. And with templates, you can shoot it through the smoke because you're placing it on the ground, you're not targeting anyone or anywhere. So that's pretty big. The crossbow is pretty useful as well. Obviously, you've got Overseer to move them around, and that's a five-inch blast. So you're doing a lot of damage with that. You do need line of sight, so you're going to need to get photo goggles on him, and there's the, obviously, difficulty with unwieldy weapons. Quick question. Um, smoke, long distance. With uh, pitch black rules, it's a 12-inch maximum that you can see with, like, photo goggles yep. or infrasights. What about when you've got normal lighting conditions? Is it any range that you can see through smoke? Uh, yes. As far as I'm aware, reading the Gang War book, it just states that you can see through smoke and in pitch black you can see 12 inches. So you can see straight through it and have normal vision in normal lighting conditions. So they'll be very big because it brings a lot more reliability back to your weapons. Nice. So we should see um, in skirmishes and certainly necessary in campaigns that allow corpse grinders to play properly, at least one pair of goggles on champions because it brings them back into the game against any enemy. There's only one Corpse Grinder player. Sure, it's a 40-credit tax, but that means you're getting your Vansar Combilaz, you're getting your Escher with Needle Rifle in the game and doing the damage that they should be doing. Or if you've got Enforcers and you've got your Sexy Sexy Bolt Gun shooting fast shot at them, you should be doing some damage. Right, can we just clarify one second before we move forward? Um, this is specifically for you, Jess Lee. Mm -hmm. When you say sexy armor bonus, do you mean it's the bonus that's sexy, or do you have to buy sexy armor? Uh, well, this is me slipping on, but something about muscle men. Yeah. No, um, I'm actually slipping over the word ammo because bolters are fantastic weapons anyway. But enforcers, because they're well maintained and they have access to the massive yeah, depots, get, it's a four plus exactly, isn't it, and that for me is just very very attractive playing orlocks with bolters i get bolter over them um normally it's six plus ammo save so you're going to do horrific damage with your strength four ap minus one damage two mm -hmm. whatever it hits is going down but typically after the first shot so is your clip so the idea of enforcers yep. just running around and not caring about it is fantastic but what really killed that boner was finding out that smoke stopped it dead uh. so we've covered that sort of pinning them is essential and yeah. the templates are absolutely awesome but what else is going to sort of be a good sort of attack method with these guys or is that it? Is that, is that what we're faced with? <laughs> well those are the easiest ways to avoid terrifying and the outburst of smoke largely it's going to be aggression and playing to the scenario they'll be coming towards you so, so you'll be able to understand that that's how they're going to play for a lot of it they won't have the long-range pinning of Escher hotshot las guns or anything like that to deal with. They so, will be coming to you. So you're saying that you can count on cannibals to be reliably <laughs> approaching towards yeah. you as fast as they can every time. They'll be coming towards you, so you need to do the same. If you close the gap and be aggressive, focus fire, it will depend on the scenario and the situation, but aggression for me will be the big thing. Don't be too afraid of failing the terrifying role keep going eventually you're going to pass something you're going to hit them you're going to pin them you're going to take them out yeah i, I think yeah it's it's that on paper it is on paper they look atrocious but yeah i think if you're relying on um the guy the or girl that you're playing being a, a reasonably half decent person and not reptilian then you're probably going to be 
facing a, a relatively strong build, but not ridiculously overpowered. And yeah, I think on the whole, bearing in mind that you can't cater your gang to fight one other kind of gang, yeah. you've got a kind of jack of all trades, at, haven't you? And, and you can end up uh, equipping yourself into a corner otherwise. And yeah, I'll definitely beat Corpse Grinder Cult, but any other gang is now going to take me to the cleaners, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I don't think they're too bad. Not as bad as I'd initially kind of uh, thought. And certainly not as bad as you. Uh, you've you've just span your little horror tale there for the past fifty minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I can do it worse if you'd like. So generally, you're going to have some fun, and in the same way as a fluffy list can be strong for any gang, Cordor Phalanx mm-hmm. of blunderbusses is going to be hell of auto pinning, setting everyone on fire. Vansar Combi Plaz is fluffy. That's the house list unique weapon. It's also going to murder you. Goliaths with melee focus and bolters and grenade spam is fluffy but dangerous. You've got to rely on any enemy you're fighting to be a nice player. But some of the tools are absolutely devastating. Just throwing this out there as a quick thing. Uh, most horrible, horrible, horrifying build that you think you could have one model go. One model. Um, from creation, I quite like the bull charge leader with the heavy... Um, with the heavy chain cleavers. That is pretty nasty when you think about it. Yeah, so that's really fun because it's strength plus two, AP minus two, damage two, and the sever trait, where if your attack would reduce it to zero wounds, instead of rolling any injury dice, they're treated as out of action. It also has paired, so on the charge, any your base attack characteristic is doubled before adding the plus one for charging, plus one for paired weapons. So your leader is charging in five plus D6 inches base. If you have the corpse grinder icon, which is the star of the list on a second champion, it's not technically part of his model, but if you have a champion with the corpse grinder icon nearby, you can make a simple action to increase the movement of any allies within six inches by D3. And as a simple action, you can do it twice. So that's an extra 2d3 on your base movement stat. So if you've so got your... best case scenario, what are you looking at Best there? case scenario, if you've got your leader next to your champion, so it's just two bodies, group activate. It's like a 17-inch standard movement. Yeah. Oh, no, or is it just if you're charging? Oh, this is for charging. Yeah. It increases your base movement yeah. by 2d3 on a double tap. So I'm just thinking, because if you put it on the leader, leader's got five-inch movement to begin with. If you're charging, you get the D6, don't you? Like yep. If you've just and two boosted D3. twice with the the icon, yeah. that's how many? That's so an 8 to 17-inch charge Jesus. range. <laughs> so if you think of this in the idea of a zone mortalis table, generally you're looking at about three tiles across. There'll be walls, there'll be doors. You've got your initiates infiltrating. They open those doors and then they throw a smoke grenade through it. You're approaching from essentially blindness unharmed. General deployment scenarios depending will be either a tile edge three to four inches in or an entire tile, which is 12 inches. So at best, there's about 30 inches between two gangs. At worst, there's 24. So you're closing across nearly the entire board on one act of well one charge on one charge with a smoke screen in front of you 
That is, yeah, that's, that's horrifying right there. So that's how <laughs> fast you get in. But what are you actually doing when you get there? Right, well, that's something to leave people with nightmares for on this segment, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, in which case, then, I think we'll probably wrap it up there, guys, unless there's anything else you want to chip in with, Chris. No, I just need to go and chuck these pants in the bin, if I'm honest. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to go and find Craig from his adventures in finding a reclaimed hand flamer as well. So um, Yeah, let's hope he's got one for the rest of us yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone bastards. get those template weapons. <laughs> Corpse grinders will have plenty to spare, don't worry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jessly, I wanted to say thank you very much to coming along and, and doing this war room segment with us. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, this will be something that we do uh, in future episodes as well and we can retrospectively go back and have a look at some of the other gangs and then address any new ones that crop up yeah that'd be awesome man great to have you along Jess Lee great to meet you and uh, yeah most uh, welcome input into this conversation I think it's been really really informative especially uh, definitely for me and hopefully for anybody listening brilliant thank you I really hope that the community responds and let me know what you think of the tactics how you would stop them your impressions and we'll see how our version of house rules match up with your with your personal groups. Because yeah. that would be really interesting for me to find out. I'm just going to punch the guy as soon as he gets them out of his bag. That's how I'm going to do them. Knock him out. <laughs> I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> and that way you can't take part. <laughs> what are you playing as? Corpse grinders. <laughs> yeah. Smack. That's, that's, that's Chris's tactics card, Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I know what we're playing next time we meet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to wrap that up there, uh, listeners, and uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back in a moment with the next segment. Okay, listeners, welcome back, and it's now time for Shooting the Shit. It's time to shoot the shit. Shooting the Shit is the section of the show where we just discuss the main topics that we are going to cover. So in this instance, we kind of touched upon it in the last episode because literally the Dark Uprising box had arrived with us the day, well I say us, at least with me, the day that uh, we recorded that episode. And um, so what we want to do is go over in a bit more detail the Book of Ruin, uh, Dark Uprising kind of as a whole, and uh, talk about the Corpse Grinders uh, a little bit more as well. And I say talk about the Corpse Grinders a little bit more, I just mean from my personal experience of them, because obviously we've just had the War Room where <laughs> Jess Lee was uh, going over a lot of really hard facts, I think, about how Corpse Grinders can just decimate everything. The thing is, we didn't even get enough time to talk about all the stuff that you can do with Corpse Grinders, so I'll mention a few little bits in a minute. But um, Chris, do you want to talk about the things that you've taken away from uh, Book of Ruin and Dark Uprising? Right, yeah, um, but really quickly, uh, you say all the things you can do. I hear that as all the friends you can lose. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the way it's going to go at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just think it's a it's another great um, addition. Um, going back to what we were saying earlier about it, adding flavour to uh, campaigns, you know, it's just... You, you, you can run your gang through several campaigns with several different groups and you know never have the same game twice and i just think this is just an extra kind of layer of of um of atmosphere and detail because oh, all the variations that you've got yeah, yeah hats off to gw i really think the the the, the every 
every expansion has just been hitting it out the park and they've they've continued uh, on a great run with this as far as i can tell the wandering monsters has to be a highlight for me i think that's such a great idea um the, the, like for the arbitrator tools that they've got in in this um, in the dark uprising sorry the book of ruin i just think it's a fantastic tool to use so obviously you can have like um what is it the thingy of the forearmed emperor um better let that have it oh what are the variations here. on like gene stealers yeah i mean obviously you've got the new list for gene stealers you've got the new list for um straight up uh chaos helots and then you've got the the fact that you can just turn your regular all or delac gang into like a chaos worshiping gang and it just yeah just so much flavor but um specifically like the the alternative uh, campaigns so you could um play the chaos one where each of you is dedicated to a god and you're all trying to kind of fight against each other or then you've got the um the rise of the four-armed emperor where it's gene stealer cults and they're trying to infect all of the other gangs it's just really cool kind of thematic it feels like those gangs are finally getting the love that they deserve i mean i know they came out in the white dwarfs and that was cool it was you know i mean get them on the board and then they got um released in the gangs of the underhive but they just have those little tweaks to give them a little bit more flavour and yeah. make them feel more embedded into the setting. It does feel like they've allowed more time for those gangs now, whereas you mm-hmm. had your original six houses and then a bit of a tag on in White Dwarf. But now they've, they've actually almost like fully acknowledged the gangs in a sense and gone, yeah. no, they are a big part of this. And as you've said, the numbers that it gives you now, I mean, if you, if you break it down, you've got your original six and you've then got Venator's, Gene Stealer Cultists, uh, Corpse Grinders, you know, so you've... Yeah, enforcers. Enforcers, yeah, so you've got all of those, but now you've got variations for the original six. So it's not six anymore, it's like, what, uh, 18, well, is we'll, it? Yeah, because you've got, it would be 12 with your Chaos, and then um, 18 with the uh, Gene Stealer. Yeah, so all the variations. So yeah, you you can literally have a campaign now where if people decided they wanted to, you wouldn't have the same carbon copy gang. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have all the nice little bonuses that you get, like extra arms and mutations and things like that. So it is really starting to get flavorful now. Um, so yeah, I, I have the same opinion actually. It's, it's Games Workshop. Hats off to them for actually you know expanding the universe like they said they were gonna do um, right back at the beginning. Definitely. So yeah, were there any particular? Because uh, again, I don't want to sort of go through the whole book because we're being. Oh no, day, um, a couple of things that stood out to me: um, scenario complications, uh, horror. Horror of the Underhive. So um, you've got uh, either it's like mutants, um, chaos kind of infected people that you're coming up against, or you've got Xenos that you're coming up against. Uh. And it's just like they've got like generic kind of cards and you can write them according to your... Like um, with the the Xenos, you, you've got so many points you can spend on each. And so you can either give them like one or two weapons, one or two bits of war gear, uh, one or two skills. And that's how you create them from like a template. Yeah. And then with the uh, chaos, like they've got like, their own weird powers and stuff like that. Just, just really cool little kind of details and um, much in the same way, like the brain, brain life zombies did. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of effect. It's like you said, though, as an as an arbitrator, this is a book that you you really need. But I mean, to be fair, as an arbitrator, you should have all the books anyway. 
So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you really but should. But yeah, I was just having um, a look uh, at that. It's what page um, ninety six, isn't it, for scenario complications? It's, yes. it's got some really nice variations in there, and I like the way that it gives you sort of like recommendations for like the gang levels that you're going to be going in against as well. So that you're yeah. not just going right. Let's just feel this horrific thing and then obliterate that one thousand point gang uh, because you know it, it's it just kind of scales it. It's really nice. Um, a couple of Dramatis Personae that I thought I'd pick out of the book. I mean, I know there's a few in there, but I thought rather than kind of deep diving into them, uh, Queen Lorsha. So she's like kind of a um, corpse grinder cult um, hanger on. Uh, and she's got, I just thought it was really cool, Disturbing Aura, which works as a cutter's mask. So you get the effects of a cutter's mask. But it's just like, I just imagine she's got this dirty funky rotten flesh smell to her yeah. and kind of like a creepiness vibe and that's enough to have the same effect as one of these masks does for those of you that own the book you get you're going to know what page this is on already but it's page 16 if someone just wants to pick it up someone have a all right cheers dude yeah i, d- um, I didn't write page numbers no no down, it's, so, it's yeah. fine um it's but the the image that of this like uh dramatis persona it it just reminds me of the ring or you know the um, the grudge or something like that the the character in it and it's just like you can imagine how creepy that character yeah, would be. It, she put me in mind if cross between that and um, like a big fan of the movies or anything. But there's this like creepy pirate woman, pirate witch, sea witch thing out of Pirates of oh, the Caribbean. Yeah, I know the one. It's with like scabby face and stuff. I mean, she's she's an attractive Calypso, woman, but obviously, that's the one. yeah, that's it. Yeah, give me a give me a, a an aura of that. And the other one, and he's an absolute tank. It's a Vandoth, the Fallen. And we're talking weapon skill and ballistic skill, three plus. Three attacks. Wow. Three wounds. He's got one of the bolt guns with a four plus ammo roll. He only has a combat knife to fight with. Sorry, a fighting knife to fight with, so he gets backstab and whatnot. Oh, with that, that guy, right. Yeah, I've just looked it up. Page uh, 117, yeah. Yeah, he's right towards the end of the book. He looks like a ex-Cordor. Is that part of his backstory? Uh, do you know what? Somebody had said, when I'd first come across him, um, it was, and I didn't have the book at the time. Uh, somebody had put a picture of him and said uh, that they thought he was a fallen bloody angel or something like that. Huh. But I was like, nah, that dude is not a marine. He's not a space marine. He's not like a Starty's level. But yeah, looking at him, he, he looks like he's a pretty mean bastard, basically. Yeah, and well, three attacks and three wounds. That's that's beastie on anybody's kind of. But obviously, you see the difference in credits between the two with oh, yeah. Queen Lorsha, 100 credits. That's a really cheap little thing to run up like alongside your your gang yeah. whereas with him he's a quite an investment with oh, 250 credits yeah that that's yeah. Uh, later on in the campaign person that definitely. is very much yeah yeah if we're, if we're talking about the uh, personalities in the book then i definitely want to mention the eightfold harvest lord uh, or if you're part of the chronicles crew the skeletor so it's like Skeletor, like who's not missed a single day down at the gym. Um, but I, I do, this this is one of those rare occurrences where I do actually want to read something from the book because I am going to put a voice filter over this when I get around to editing it. So uh, <clears throat> it is unlikely that the Harvest Lord is human, or if it was once mortal, it has long since transformed into something else. It moves with an unnatural, stuttering gait like a vid missing frames, its tall, lanky form wrapped in fluttering strips of human skin. As it advances upon its prey, the Harvest Lord's bladed fingers click and twitch, its head face hidden behind the hideous mask and two wide demonic grin twisting from side to side. 
is said that the Harvest Lord is drawn to the most vicious acts of murder, eager to spread the blood of the living, and on Necromander there is no shortage of blood to be spilled. That is creepy as fuck. It's the vid bit that got me. It's like that effect in horror films. That's one of the things that starts to wig me out a little bit. And I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to the horror kind of stuff because I've worked in horror for like seven years. So just that image of that guy just sort of skittering around. It's just like, yeah, that is the kind of thing you don't want to bump into in the underhive. You really don't. No, he's a a sweet looking character, but Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> and then it you just you know, you, then you see him after hearing that and just ah he man yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, no that's... no he's back to someone's going to paint scheme that purple and yellow you just know that they're going to do that oh. and he's not scary anymore <laughs> that's the the one sort of dramatic persona that I definitely wanted to mention I think the one that I did want to throw a mention out to as well is uh, the the mutant looking chap Jorth Sliver, who's a hive scum, and I don't. I, let's have a look at the stats for this. So uh, five inch movement. Oh, actually, his, his stats aren't too bad. I mean, you said that your um, two hundred and fifty credit like bounty hunter guy. He was weapon skill three and ballistic skill three, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So is this guy. Uh, strength three. Okay, he's got two attacks, so that's something um, that's a bit different because the other guy was hard as nails with that. Uh, toughness three, wounds two. That's not bad. Auto pistol, throwing knives, and a shock baton. Um, so yeah, he's an interesting little character. I think it's one of those ones where if you they've put a lot into the flavor, and then the model kind of reflects that, but they've not gone overboard with the equipment that they've given him. Yeah. No, I, th- I think the the beauty of the whole book is it's it's definitely it's skewed towards horror. So each book has its own kind of, obviously got the environment and bad zones. It is what it says on the tin, the law and misrule campaign, which brings in the outlaw um, and lawful kind of aspect. And then um, with this one, it's, it's about introducing horror in uh, Necromunda. So you've got obviously cannibalism, insurgent, alien uh, infection, chaos, corruption, and and the characters that they've picked this time to go alongside that seem to fit really well into that yeah. whole. And it's not necessarily about having a, a game-busting dude on the board. It's just another kind of somebody who fits that that scenario and that environment and that kind of, uh, yeah, that flavour. Oh, absolutely. I, I think yeah, and as you say, really it gives you all it. the tools as an arbitrator to uh, do any kind of scenario that you can think up, really. Mm-hmm. so yeah book of ruin that's pretty good as far as i'm concerned there's just so much stuff in there we could be here again all day with this and i'm very much aware of how long we've run for already so um mm-hmm. was there anything that you wanted to mention about that um at all no no i'm, I'm good I, I think i've waxed lyrical and and, and sung its praise you know it's really good and i'm sure anybody who's listening along is either interested enough to go and get it um or already have it yeah. so yeah. Well, if you don't already have it, it is well worth the money. If if you're getting to that point where you've played the game for a while, you are sure that you do like the game, then yeah, this is one of those books that's really going to benefit. Um, so I'm just quickly looking this up because I want to check the um uprising campaign. Is that actually included in the uh, book of ruin? I don't think it is. Is it? No, it's purely in the um. Uprising campaign events, but I don't think it goes on to say, you know, what actually. No, because the uprising campaign, it's like it's set out of, like when you're playing Necromunda, you're playing it as present, the present day, aren't you? Like Like as if you were, yeah. 
Whereas this is the fall of um, Prime. What's it? Begins with an Arcus. A. I've forgotten the name. Arcus, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's so it's happened. You 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 basically playing historical. It's it's like playing thirty k almost. Ah, you playing a story that's already occurred. In which case, then it's yeah, a, I do need to refer back to the Dark Uprising rulebook for this. Um, so mm. yeah, I will say this: the Dark Uprising, Uprising campaign system. Um, it's well worth mentioning now because I think it's possibly the best system that they've got, or at the very least, the most detailed one. And it feels like the most well thought out one because there's so many little aspects to it which add in details to new Necromunda that I seem to recall from the old version. But when I then ask people about it and go, oh, you know, did you have this kind of system in place? And they go, no, that, that wasn't part of it. And I'm thinking either that was like a community edition thing then or stuff that me and my mates just made up for it. Um, like the scavenging for around yeah. the, like just random stuff that you can get hold of. It's the only way that you can get credits once you hit a certain part of the campaign. And the start, in particular, the starvation mechanics where you need to feed your gang and I swear to God that this is something that we used to do when I played Necromunda uh, as a teenager. And I, I've not had anyone confirm for me that this is a thing that was in the old version. I mean, I suppose I could look it up myself. But, you know, why do that when I can get other people to do it for me? Fact check. Um, so, yeah, it's <laughs> it's like you need meat in a campaign. And there's certain scenarios that will offer out either scavenging benefits or meat benefits. And why is it I can't get that picture that you sent in the Sump City radio group out of my head every time I think of meat now? Thank you very much for that, Chris. That was one of the most disturbing pictures. And no, I'm not going to put it on the group because it was horrible. But it implied <laughs> corpse grinders doing nasty, nasty things to lump of meat, not in a cutting it up kind of way. That's that's much more exciting <laughs> on it. But it's, it's a vision that's burned into my brain now. Thank you very much for that, Chris. But yeah, um, with regards to the Uprising campaign... Uh, you need to feed your guys, and if you don't, they can suffer from starvation, which means that they become a bit uncontrollable in games and will actively want to take people down on the field of battle just so that they can bite a chunk out of them and not be hungry anymore. And as someone who likes food a lot, I can totally appreciate that because I get hungry as well. Um, <laughs> I am that guy <laughs> from the, the Snickers advert. Uh, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, so the, the fact that they've included those... Um, details into that campaign and then of course you've got like the alignment aspects of it where depending on how the campaign's going it will actually affect the next couple of games like there's effects that will happen throughout it it's uh, and chris i know that you're getting this for christmas so you'll have a proper read through no, um, I've I've I've, I've been allowed it. Yeah. I've been I've, oh, I've been given permission. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I still haven't opened it. I mean, I've I've got it open. I've looked through the bits. I've looked through the book, the cards, but I've still not clipped a single thing off the sprue yet, but, which I'm really annoyed at myself for. Yeah, um, you you need to have a look at the the book properly because all these like uh yeah the hand the hand of chaos and the bonds of order like these things that you get going on throughout the campaign, it's just really nice details for it again i could sit here and i could read it verbatim but if you don't have this kind of thing get hold of it somehow buy it from games workshop or you know other nefarious scummer type means but either way it's a really nice campaign system that i am really looking forward to having a go at of course you are because you're a corpse grinder cultist <laughs> and why <laughs> is it gonna... that when you say that it 
in my head, you're not saying cultist or you're not a corpse grinder cult. It's something similar, but that's what I feel that oh, you yeah, want yeah. to say to we've, me, Chris. We've changed the consonants, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's pretty much the corpse grinders. Now, as I said, I can talk about these guys all day because, yeah, it's a word that I really don't like to use because I feel that it's a sort of a a slur almost to games workshop and the work that they've put in but when i say broken i say it in a loving kind of way because i'm playing as them at the moment and i'm loving it um but yeah we've talked a lot about the tactics but my sort of personal experience of playing the games it's like when i went to um play tom from chronicles so shout out to the the chronicle guys on their last episode thank you very much for letting me uh, come on to the show but i played three games with them i played um I think it was a hit and run or something like that where I started in the middle of the board and Tom with his Van Sar could start around the edge, which was weird as a corpse grinder because I was like, this doesn't make sense for me to have infiltrate going here, so we didn't use it. So I literally had everyone start in the middle. Um, by the end of that, he bottled because I had just built up speed with a couple of Slaughterborn uh, goes and I was running across the board towards him and he's like, no, I'm, I'm going now. Thank you. I don't want to don't <laughs> have to face that. And I can't blame him because it, it, Slaughterborn in its current iteration, if it doesn't get nerfed or controlled in some way through house rules, you'll end up with a champion or leader eventually if you get onto the secondary skill tree, just running all the way across from one side to the other, the long way, across a six foot by four foot board. It's it's daft. Um, but it's also kind of fun because it does mean that for a close combat only gang, with the exception of the Juves, which is a whole other issue, um, it works for them because you can close that ground to actually do some damage. Um, it just means that obviously people have to keep track of your movement <laughs> very carefully because they're like, okay, what movement are you on now? Right, 17 inches. Okay, right. I reckon I'm about what, three foot away from you at the moment? So uh, I think I'm going to back up a little bit and then shoot. So, yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. But um, what we didn't talk about with Corpse Grinders in the War Room is the weapons. So I'm briefly just going to touch upon that. Yeah, with the weapons for the Corpse Grinders, it is it's crazy because you've got a lot of weapons which are damage 2 and minus AP 2. So the Boning Swords, it's a 20 credits weapon that anyone in that gang can take hold of, and it makes sense to give it to your Jews. Um, it makes sense to give it to anyone, to be honest with them, especially if you're dual wielding, um, because you're getting parry and rending on a 20 credit weapon. It's really good. Then, of course, you've got Butcher's Chain Cleavers, minus 2 AP, damage 2. Heavy Chain Cleavers, minus 2 AP, damage 2. Paired Chain yeah, it's all just minus 2, damage 2 on all the good things. Um, my particular favourite though is definitely the rotary flensing saw because I played um, the meat scenario with Tom and for the most part it was a very much a case of right we're all going to join up we're all going to hold together in the middle of this board whilst we've got all these cannibals running towards us and I think we had like 30 plus cannibal models on the board at some point <laughs> and my it was so funny because my corpse grinders are literally just standing there going well, we can't shoot at anything, so we're going to have to wait till they get close enough to us. So they moved about a little bit and was like working out, okay, 
we stand here on this on this gantry, so they're gonna have to come to us, and it was literally like a meat processing factory because they had to file into this like two person wide gantry from the direction right. that they were coming at, and they were just hitting this wall of meat grinders, uh, or in this case corpse grinders, because of the, the the weapons and the skills that they had, and the guy with the rotary saws just off to a slight angle on a platform next to it and hitting them, and of course they can't get anywhere near him, and if they get through that attack, then they've got the guys with the the dual boning swords and um the uh cleavers that they're running into and i won that because i ended up with 11 kills of cannibals and was still alive by round nine um i'd only had one person like get uh, slightly injured and that was because right in the last round tom decided with his vansar i'm not having this i'm going to try and shoot you now so he decided to turn on me last second bastard oh <laughs> it's like, yeah but, yeah it's it's all in fun of the game but um yeah oh, absolutely just, just yeah. the shows though that i took out 11 with close combat only guys and between them three other gangs they had i think it was four kills jesus um, christ yeah so in that scenario particularly corpse grinders are going to clean up big time and i think if that had been in a campaign you get an xp point for each cannibal you take out if i'm not mistaken i'd have to, have to look that up again but all right so they'll be getting some case, serious advancements yeah, pretty fast after a game like it's that crazy. Yeah. so um third game though was interesting because we decided to do the bar fight with some rules that we'd seen on uh online because they hadn't officially been released by that point and um yeah, I, I'll post the picture into the group, but there, by the end of it, I had, I think it was three or four Goliaths and one Vansar surrounding my champ with dual boning swords, because he was allowed to take those in, because you're allowed non-unweldy um, close combat weapons in that scenario. And it took five people to take him down, and he was still intoxicated at the time, if I remember rightly. Jesus so, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Because especially with the Goliaths, as we discussed early on with the War Room, it's it's, it's crazy how they were the biggest, toughest guys in the game. And then Corpse Grinders come along, and they're like, no, no, he's scary. I don't want to touch him now. But the thing is, with like we said there with Goliath, is you can shoot them. You know what I mean? You, you, you get to shoot them, and it's the dice. If the dice are favourable, you'll hit them. You know, you might not wound them, but you'll get that hit. You'll get that pin. Yeah. With those nasty bastard masks, <laughs> it's it's just so yeah, yeah yeah. I'm not going to get into it again. You know exactly yeah, how I feel I about them. I don't want to set you off again. <laughs> this is becoming a trigger thing for you now, isn't it? It is. It, but no. yeah, there we go. So I mean, yeah, corpse grinders on the whole, they are very divisive. I think is the word I'm looking for at this mm-hmm. point in time. The people that play them, they're the, they're the marmite of Necromunda at the moment. If you like them, you really like them, and if you don't yeah. like them, you really don't like them. I mean, I've got fifteen of them in a box, or however many you get with Dark Rising. I'll definitely be um, building them and uh, doing some converting and and having a go with them to see how I enjoy using them. I dread using any gang coming up against them. I really do. Yeah, as I say, they they they're definitely very very difficult, and I th- I think as you mentioned earlier on in the war room, they are to be used as the big scary bad guy kind of thing um, mm-hmm. in a lot of situations because otherwise if you use them too much yeah you're going to lose friends I think um, either that or you know find find a mid ground some way of like arming them so that you're happy with what you've got on them but you're not taking the mick with it basically but I think like the comparison with Vansar it comes back to when I when I was um, in my first campaign with Vansar I had a pretty dull list you know because that 
when you're reading the book and you're thinking, all right, um, that's that that's obviously a good skill for them. That's a good skill for them. That's a good loadout for them. You 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 roll them. You you roll your gang, and then you're off and you're playing. Yeah. It just makes sense, like it does with corpse grinders. When you read them in the book, it's like, well, that makes sense. Why would you not do that? Of course, it it sounds ridiculous to have a leader and eight Jews with hand <laughs> flamers that can infiltrate, but it's you know what I mean? it would work it would definitely work do you know what i mean yeah. so it's kind of I, I don't think you can blame the the guy who's playing them or enjoying playing them or finding them really effective but at the same time yeah relying on people to be decent and good and um <laughs> in necromander <laughs> what's yeah, exactly this? Uh, um, exactly with the spirit of sanguinala um <laughs> no not corpse grinders uh they'll be bringing the gifts of meat to you um but yeah, it's yeah. I think even if they like massively overhaul corpse grinders in a future errata or something like that, then I would still like to think that I'm going to enjoy playing as them because I just like the idea of the close combat gang. And I have to say, since I've started painting those ones up in the way that I have, I actually really like playing with those as well. Um, it's weird, that isn't it? How if you do the right paint scheme on something, it actually entices you to play that gang more. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. No, and uh, like I said earlier, man, you, yours is my favourite paint scheme, scheme I've seen for them. I think the problem with the red and the bronze is that it's a bit rich and then you're adding the gore on top and it kind of gets lost. It's a bit, uh, there's no real contrast as such. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's you mean, that's not, it's not to fault anyone else's is out there. As I say, for ages I was deliberating between do I go with the red one or the sort of bronzy looking one, and I was really stuck between those two. And I just and it was weird. I just woke up one morning and the idea was there. I was like, oh, do it this color. And I thought, yeah. you know what, that might actually work. Anyway, it, I, it makes the blood the focal point, doesn't it? And I think that really works. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, in fact, I used to do a lot of artwork that was black, white, and red. So it, it sounds like the start of a joke, really, doesn't it? What's black, white, and red all <laughs> over that thing that's marching over <laughs> to kill you right now? That's what. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, anyway, I, I feel that I'm going off point here for now. Um, so yeah, that's that's corpse grinders covered. But is there anything else that you think we should be talking about if shooting the ship? No, I'm. Uh, I've covered everything I wanted to kind of pick out there everything that jumped out at me and i mean there's loads of other stuff but it's out there for people to get hold of and, oh, yeah, and, and play with in fact i know for i know for a fact because i was on it um chronicles of the underhive go over and have a listen to their last podcast that they've done um because they do talk about it in more detail so um like especially with like the, the variations of the gangs that you can get with gene stealers and the chaos versions so yeah um I, I think we've we've got enough more than enough content on this already. So yeah, um, yeah. go go check out the, their channel as well and have a listen to that. But obviously, if if people do want us to cover anything in a bit more detail or have specifics, just just let us know on the community page or on the um the email and and, and let us know and we'll, we'll see if we can fit something in. Yeah. Sumcityradio at gmail dot com. Um, in which case then what we're going to do is we are going to end this here and we're going to head over to Cannabella for part two of her cooking segment. Take it away, Cannabella. As you can hear, I've moved to my favourite air intake fan and I've also brought my friend Drizzle with me. Uh... First, we'll gather the fungus will be frying into the scrape. I find that some of the best batches 
grow right next to bands that pull moist air through. Drizzle, be a deer and pick the fungus, please. Uh, yeah, okay. Now, Drizzle, my sweet, remember to pick the ones that are green with red spots and not the ones that are red with green spots. The difference is a slow and painful death as you shit out all of your vital organs. Uh, I think I'm colorblind. Well, do your best, dear. Okay. Once your fungus is collected, cut it into strips about as big as your little finger. Pop it in the small rat cage and then drop it all into the boiling scrape for about ten minutes. Is this enough fungus? Oh, nearly, sweetie. Maybe just that big one, right next to the uncovered fan? Uh, uh, okay. Now we have the fungus. It's time to collect the meat. (coughs) (coughs) The Lord of Skin and Sinew provides. A word to the wise. Wear wipe clean clothes when preparing your meat, especially if using the industrial fan option. I don't mind so much when it gets in your mouth, but I really don't like it getting in my hair. Once you've collected your meat, fry it with some scrape oil over a moderate promethium flame for 20 to 25 minutes. Season liberally with some millisaur venom and a pinch of ground spider leg. Mmm, smells delicious. I hope I've inspired you to try a meaty surprise of your own. Remember, listeners, a good meal can be found almost anywhere in the Underhive. You just have to be inventive. Join us next time, where we'll be discussing the finer points of preparing the perfect giant rat roast, with tips that would make it taste as good as the posh nosh they have up hive. Thank you for listening. Now, back to the studio. Listening to Sump City Radio. Okay, Cannabella, that sounds delicious. Uh, right, okay, um, if you remember last month, um, we played a little sound blast um, of a jingle uh, that was uh, sneakily appropriated from a uh, 30 year old um, afternoon <laughs> yeah. British TV show. More near enough, I guess, yeah. Close enough. It's got to be at least twenty-five years, hasn't it? It's yeah. it's a good. Yeah, we are old now. What was it called, Chris? The program or the the section? The section. It's your letters. 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 I, I take it you're going to play the. Yep. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
don't just leave me hanging. Right, okay. Um, last month we asked you all to submit some letters for us, uh, so we could read them out on the podcast, and you guys have uh, reciprocated and uh, done just that. So if you just bear with me two seconds, and I'll pull the first one up. Okay, so we've got um, a letter here from Dat Leader, spelled D A L. Have fun reading this one out, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to have to revert. Right, okay. I'm just going to do a bag of glue quick yeah, before start, I read this start one Start thinking like a Goliath. <laughs> it, was, it was written by a Goliath. Okay, so... We is a gang of Goliaths running in Luther's Prospect. It is a tough and unforgiving place to be, but we like it. I thought I'd let you know a bit about our, our hive. One of the first gangs we met was Luther's Redemption. We don't know how they got that name. They play with fire a lot. Maybe that's it. We did not appreciate that a lot. Herbert is defo a pervert. <laughs> so we threw a dupe onto him. Uh, sorry, we threw a dupe on top of him from a long way up. They all made a funny smoosh sound and we laughed. Many of our boys have gotten some nasty injuries along the way. A lot of them has been whilst banging with the cult of the dark eye. They have got some very hard to hit dudes and they are a bit creepy and have got some weird pets. The Blackshard Reapers had taken a prisoner, our, our lad Push, but they give him back after we tried to bust him out. I don't know what reaping is, but I figure it must be a bit like fighting dirty because they <laughs> fight dirty and tricksy. <laughs> Some of our bestest fights with, was with Indomitus Minor, who are particular, particular, partic, who are a very odd bunch. <laughs> is that actually in the letter? That bit? That's I am reading verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are a very odd bunch? They don't even look like they know each other. We were genuinely surprised <laughs> that they are actually a gang. However, we enjoyed bashing them to bits, even getting a bit bashed by them. Brax is a very big boy. Very, very big. Even our mountain Jenkins looks up to him. But the big boys just make more fun to smash. I've got to ask Chris, how far are we through this? Uh... Right, I'm picking up the pierce. New money looks very puny, <laughs> skinny little dudes and shiny suits, but they shot lasers at us after after a bit. Their little guns hurt us, and we never got to hit them with our hammers. The Meltmongers seem like a good bunch of lads, friendly enough Goliaths. We had a ding dong when we both took shots at their Stardust Crusaders. A ding dong. <laughs> I don't. I'll, I'll, it must be Goliath know. slang for something. Um, yeah. Edgeworth. <laughs> uh I think the Crusaders are girls, but Amund Shaw. Oh, that's nice. Amund is for Aunt. <laughs> I like that. But Amund Shaw. All of the boys said that their peepees felt a bit funny oh, after God. that fight. <laughs> <laughs> we have heard that there is a few other gang kicking about our eyes. We hope to punch them all in the face and smash them with our hammers. Maybe they will hear our letter on your radio show. We all like to listen while we lift weights and get stronger and make the clever choice to leave and let us take over Luther's prospect. If they don't, we ain't afraid. We'll <laughs> smash them all to bits. No doubt. And Bortus, <laughs> and Bortus might launch some of his grenades at them too. 
Jenkins is still working out how to use his new Xenarch Death Arc. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and Goliath with the oh Death Oh my arc. God, yeah. <laughs> but he is probably good at it. Boom hopes to hit some fool using his rack gold razor. Jesus Christ, these guys are kitted up. Where are they getting that from? The black market. Oh, I'm going to guess so, yeah, but it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, is that it? <laughs> well, it sounds like they've killed everyone. Yeah. Basically, um, it just... Uh, oh, they've, they've requested a song from Guns and Fungus because they <laughs> listen to them while they get strong and smell stims. Well, I mean, it, I don't know if they've just heard about what the station is, but do you ever get that feeling sometimes that you're, you, you start with an idea of where you want to go with something and then you end up talking about something completely different? It kind of feels a little bit like that's what happened with that letter. Because, I mean, to me, I mean, especially for a Goliath, that's that's like epic novel levels of Goliath. Intellect. This is this is the Beowulf of Goliath <laughs> literature. <Yeah. laughs> but, I mean, yeah, so was it Dalida? Is, is that who it was from? Dalida of Darukus, the toughest, strongest and handsomest in all of Luther's prospect. Oh. Well, well to be fair, it sounds uh, like he's killed everyone else, so that's probably true. So, yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, write this the letter. sheer gigantic effort levels that must have been involved to write that. I, I yes. used to wonder if it was like a group of them sat around sort of like G and the person on who's actually got the, the skills with the pen. So... And how many poor pens they must have crushed in the process. Oh, you know, that's that's exactly it. So, no, effort appreciated there, guys. Many typewriters were crushed in the creation of this letter. No, fantastic. Thanks. Oh, and they, they go on to say, thanks. Hope none of you fall into any sludge pools or get eaten by some crocs. Well, we are a little concerned that something similar might have happened to our good friend Craig. Well, he, he's so, been uh, away for like the whole episode and he said he was only yeah. going to go check on this reclaimed uh, hand flamer that somebody was flogging down at one of the drinking uh, holes. So I don't know. I, th- I, I just hope he's not getting fingered by Johnny McTentle, oh. McTentacle hand. <laughs> what, the, the slither guy? <laughs> That's him, yeah. Or, or was right. it Johnny Razor or something like that? That's well? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah that would be another uncomfortable one. Yeah, it sort of brings a new meaning to scissoring, really, doesn't it? <laughs> Got one from Dennis Slopper. Oh, you dirty hive scum. Your first episode left a good impression in our little gang and we're happy to hear some news from all around the Underhive. Personally, I'd like to hear more of the Necromunda cuisine. Well, hopefully you've, uh, you're impressed with uh, Cannabella. Cannabella's little uh, um, sections today. Uh, heard that there are some nice cuts of meat coming our way. Oh, very themed. Yep. Uh, delivered by some handy butchers. They work fast and hard. Also, they bring enough hand flamers for their own barbecue. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, someone has to keep the gang as happy and well fed, so give us some inspiration. My Goliath friends can't run on stims alone. Keep up the good work and stay out of trouble. Dennis Slotter Tom- oh, Thomas. Cheers for that, Dennis. That's awesome, Dennis. Cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, well, as, as you quite rightly said, we've got Cannabella, who is, is actually one of our regular um, show sort of consorts that we we go to for things now and especially with anything regarding cooking well if, if we want to keep the good cuts of made coming yeah. steve we're going to have to keep her involved aren't we let's be honest yeah. um and it does seem that her kind of uh culinary skills yeah and um um ingredients of choice seem to suit what dennis is is looking for so oh, absolutely. hopefully get something out of that next one is titled distraught in the dorm now it's a bit of a difficult one this so um 
I just want to give it to you. We've had a good laugh. Let's pull the tone down right, a bit. Okay. We've got some issues here. Do you want me to get the R tune music out behind this? Please. Okay. If, if you could, yeah. <laughs> Recently, I've been having trouble with, trouble with my juves. They've become rebellious and indignant. I expected out of my eldest, uh, Kalpan, we were too lenient on him in his upbringing. We doted upon him and allowed him to do as he pleased, and first he began running with less desirable crowds. Well, I blame their influence for his disobedience. After we found out that he'd been experimenting with spook, we kicked him out of the home. Oh, no. But we cannot keep our youngest from looking up to his older sibling. Little bored Anne wishes to run the streets with his role model. But I heard recently that Kalpan has strayed so far into the possible cult worship uh, that just this past week we found unrefined ghast in Bordan's room. Mm. He says it belongs to a friend, but we know that Kalpan has given it to him. Help us, SCR. How can we prevent our innocent Bordan from becoming a ruffian outlaw? Sincerely, distraught in the dorm. Oh, God. Um, yeah, wow. tough times. Um, sorry That's, to hear uh, that, but I mean, you're the parent here, Chris. So you tell me, how do you how do you deal with this kind of thing? Well, okay, I can't recommend violence on air. So um, <laughs> the high of a It's 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 that horrible. Yeah, uh, that isn't oregano that you found in your child's room you know that whole awkward kind of yeah. uh, right you kicked the elders out didn't you I've, I've got a potential solution oh come on man let's, let's... Uh, slavers are always willing to take on new people so you know just extra credits no problem anymore that might be helpful I don't know you know what Steve you've got a free room you could rent that out you could get a nice little income coming from that start again yeah. you know what I mean I mean, how much are Jews nowadays? One less mouth to feed. So, a Jews, you know, I don't know, not that much. 75 creds? Oh, sorry, not even that. What, about 35 creds on average, a Jew? Well, 25 if you go into the meat factories. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it's an option, that's all we're saying. They are sneaky buggers, those ones. They do pop up in the most random of places. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just hope wishing the best of luck with uh, deciding what to do on that one. Well, I think, you know what I mean? If they're taking gas, chances are they're going to turn on you and tear you apart. Well, so, yeah, I'd just preempt it, jump the gun... And yeah, still pistol to the back of the head while they're sleeping. That's it. All right, well, thanks very much for that. Uh, we do hope that our advice has been of some use to you. <laughs> okay, now this one is from a William Porter. and uh, God, he sounds positively posh by comparison to the last two, doesn't it, he? I think we've got an upheaver here. William Porter the third. <laughs> First of all, I love the show. This is great. Love the skits. I don't know what he's talking about. He must be talking about our guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I only started playing Necromunda in the last four months and I've fallen for it. I can't get enough. My local group has just finished up our campaign here in Nebraska. Oh, I've wow. never heard of that section of the hive. But uh, uh, I played Gene Steeler Cult as I had a bunch from the Kill Team boxes and not yet built them. Uh, first thing is how much do you see the mining laser as an important weapon? It seemed to be amazing with its pinning ability that I bought far too late in the campaign. Secondly, the Weber to place guys out acting like a serious injury. My champion was always a primary target because of it. My last is a shout out to the Gorlocks and the Rubrum Femini. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, dude. Uh, the Sons of the Silent Shadow hold the grudges in the Underhive. The Cult will infiltrate your horn-bearing mutant gang of goat-headed Orlocks. Ah, Gorlocks. Goat-headed Orlocks. Yep. 
Because <laughs> um, they're gauze. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and you chem-throwing Escher girls will fall from your hive throne as we avenge our brother. Please dial Valka, champion of the four-armed emperor. The Escher gang gave him two spinal injuries before the Gorlocks finally killed him. It was a hard fight in the hive. Thanks for all your efforts on the show. William Potter. Oh, it's um, Argyle Jocelyn on the Facebook oh, page, right. dude. Okay, cool. Um, ah, edit. In my excitement, I said mining laser, and it's the seismic cannon. Thanks again. Uh, sent from... Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Right, um, okay. So right. let's break this down. Uh, I'm, I'm not someone who's familiar with seismic cannons, although I am familiar with web guns, which you did mention, and yes, they are very, very useful. Uh, especially if you can get them on anyone infiltrating. Um, however, the seismic cannon, you've got two stat lines for it, uh, short wave and long wave, 12-inch short range, 24 long, uh, minus one on the short range when you've got it on the long wave. Hmm, interesting. And uh, minus one on short wave, yeah, for the long range one. Um, strength six or strength three, respectively, minus one AP on short wave, uh, damage two on short wave, five plus ammo check on both, knockback, rapid fire, one, and then two for long wave. Oh, okay, I see what they're doing there. Seismic and unweldy. The unweldy aspect for me would immediately sort of flag up things because that means you're going to need a suspenser if you want to be efficient with it. No, Gene Steeler cults me third oh, arm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. There's, there's third arms. That's got to be handy for certain situations, isn't it? You've got one hand for the tissues, one hand for the lotion, and then the third one free. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about Gene Stillicotis. Massaging your wife's back. Is that, is that... <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know. There's, I, I think what you said about the mining laser, I've, I've had some experience of those when they've been firing at me, and those are not nice things, especially if someone's got Overwatch on them. What's the thing with one shot? You get one shot with it. Is that the mining laser? Uh, let's have a look. Let's, yeah, mining laser. Uh, unweldy, 18 to 20. So it's the same range. But isn't there one of them? It's one shot and uh, done. I like the weapon, you can only so. fire at once. Uh, unless there's some... It's a, well, the, the thing is, the mining laser's a 3 plus on the ammo. And that's ridiculous, con- considering it's strength 9. Jeez. That's obscene. It's minus 3 Holy AP. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, mining lasers are, are crazy. That's like... Laz cannon territory. Those are beasty things as well. Those are nasty. Um, I think with any 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 guy you chuck um a heavy bolt or a, a plasma cannon, any of those kind of top tier yeah. um above strength five weapons, you it's just you're a target. You you got a brute on the board. The brutes a target. They're just bullet sponges because people see them and think I'm getting rid of that before anything else comes towards me. I it's think the it's kind a- of weapon you just click your fingers and the target turns to dust. You might know, be calling your heavy Thanos at that right, You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Seismic cannon. They're interesting. They're they're not as like like brutal as the um things. But you've got your seismic trait as well, which is potentially something that could be really useful in fact actually that could be a weapon that would be useful against um corpse grinders yeah so corpse grinders yeah yeah potentially is there advancing so, i don't know i think it's it's horses for courses go with what you like you know as long as you can afford the damn thing go with what you like i tell you what would be nice if uh, next time we have um jess lee in for the war room we'll 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 pull this up with them yeah either that or i'll uh ask him if he'd be kind enough to chuck some uh consideration onto the uh community group or something as well but yeah that's awesome we're, we're, i think we'll definitely do that but it sounds like you you had a pretty good fun in your campaign even if it wasn't necessarily uh 
great for your leader there. Yeah. <laughs> With two spinal injuries Ooh, before he got killed. Tough luck on that, having to put your leader into a wheelbarrow, bring him out <laughs> onto the, uh, the board again. Um, but yeah, did we have any other letters at all? Was that it? I believe that's all, yeah, that's all of the letters. Um, we've got another couple of um, people contacting us. Uh, oh, in fact, you'll have to bear with me because I think there might be a couple that's actually on the the page itself that I'm going to have to pull off. All right, uh, but we will address them. We'll address <laughs> them. You heard next that month. here first, listeners. He's going to pull people off from the group. So yeah. <laughs> That's what the extra arms for. Extra for, arms for, yeah. <laughs> right, no, um, there's a couple that were um, sent to the group itself, so I'll pull them up. Uh, I'll I'll extract them from those the place that again. they currently are, and uh, we'll we'll bring them on next month. But uh, no, a couple of people contact us uh, regarding some cl- collaborations. Um, if you are listening to this, we will be in touch very soon. It's been a really busy month um, trying to get this all put together before Christmas, as I'm sure you can all appreciate. Yeah. Um, with this time of year, uh, time is is extremely precious. But um, we will be in touch very soon. Um, you know who you are. Uh, thanks very much for the, the, the um, suggestion and the opportunity. Yeah, but they will find out. That's the thing. Um, it's kind of a, a YouTube collaboration thing, which I think could be really fun. Uh, with a with a really cool uh, guy who runs a lot of Necromunda content. Um, so yes, we will be in touch with you very soon, dude. Um, hopefully get something up and running in the new year. Uh, but that's it for uh, it's your letters. Yeah, cool. I actually, had some letters this time. That feels awesome. Right. Really cool ones as well. Yes. Yeah. Can I just say thank you, each and every one of you? Um, and we pro- I promise we will get to all of them as we kind of we go forward. This section's only going to work if people keep sending letters in. So yeah, <laughs> and if if you put that kind of effort in, it's just fun and yeah, really cool for get us. Get a mention for your gang. Why not? You know, ask us some like, absolutely questions or something. It's fine. Um, so yeah, the other thing that we wanted to chuck into this section, because we did say about doing like competitions and things here, and I did briefly allude to this earlier on in the episode, is um, yeah, I, due to it feels like I'm about to do the wavy, wacky, inflatable arm guy thing here, but due to a cock up <laughs> in ordering, somehow I ended up with an extra copy of White Dwarf for the December edition, uh, which is we got extra White Dwarfs. <laughs> it's White Wall to Wall White Dwarfs. And we're passing the savings on to you. <laughs> so literally, yeah. And obviously with it being that time of year with gifts and stuff, I thought, you know what, sod it. Let's just chuck it onto the podcast if someone wants it. You know, if people don't want it, then they're not going to you know, barrel into the competition trying to get it. They've probably already got it if they want it. But, you know, if you've, if like me, you've fallen on hard times and you can't really afford these things, or in my case, I had to because, you know, podcast content, then yeah, this is your opportunity. So, Chris, what did we want to do for this? We're going to give away the December copy of White Dwarf. What, what do we want people to do? Yeah, with all the extra stuff in that we discussed earlier, I think get on the page. Um, I'm going to put a post on there. Uh, it'll be a competition post, like referring to the podcast. All you got to do, guys, is if you aren't a member of the community page, get involved. It's really straightforward. But I will put this little uh, disclaimer in there. Click the box that says you agree to the rules and answer a couple of questions, even if you answer them ridiculously. You will answer the questions and tick the box. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> well, to so be fair, we've got, what, about 15 people stuck in limbo at the moment because they 25. to acknowledge 25. The yeah. And it's like their friends 25. have invited them as well. It's like... Just, uh, but they're staying there. I refuse. I'm not bringing it up again on the um, uh, on the community page. I'm not. I'm not. I might mention it on here every time I, you know, what I mean, ask if people want to join. 
but I'm not. Nah, if you're too dumb to click a box, <laughs> they might you don't be belong Goliaths, in the sun. Come on, give them a chance. <laughs> Did you see that eloquent letter we received from that Goliath? Everything was spelled phonetically, but it was still, it was great. <laughs> so there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Just, just sound the letters out until you know what the words are. And once you've read the whole <laughs> sentence, leave an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Join the group on the post that I put about the um, podcast and the competition. Just, um, just, chuck, just chuck a little comment on there. If if you're already in the group, just chuck the comment on there. If you do want it, if you want it, you want to win it. You've already got it, and you want to gift it to one of your mates who doesn't have it, or whatever you want to do with it. You want to line your hamster's cage. It doesn't matter. It's it's yours. If and we'll we'll enter all the names into a random generator. But bear in mind, you do get the nice little book along with it, and you get the tactics card as well. So you know it's probably worth it just to have a physical copy of that. I know there's some people who have gone. I'm just going to wait and pirate it when it's online later on. This is your opportunity to actually get that book and card for nothing, for free, gratis. You don't even have to pay the postage, international, it doesn't matter, Chris will pay for it. Yep. Um, but yeah, just do that on the, the group, put your details onto the little post that we've got there, and then we'll draw someone, I don't know what, next month? Yeah. Um. So yeah, last bit then that we need to cover, thank yous. Uh, there's two very obvious ones, but do you want to do your one first? Uh no uh, right okay so um but up but up but up but up right Peter uh who uh was gracious enough to invite me over to his home and um give me an absolute thrashing is that before or after you played some games in Necromunda <laughs> 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 uh during after before it was it's just, just a, a blur a of BDSM face. and board games. <laughs> yeah, it was just dice and fuck muck yeah. everywhere. Honestly, oh, it was... and that's why we put the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Merry Christmas, <laughs> <Yeah>. folks! <laughs> if your James are listening to this, then they'll probably be driven to yeah. gast. <laughs> um, no, uh, it was it was just really good um, to to meet somebody else who plays. He's part of a quite the part of the Necromunda scene around my area, so he's. You know what I mean? He's been really nice and invited me along to the to the group and stuff. So yeah, top lad, and uh, we'll definitely be we'll be fighting again. Obviously, a big one this month, uh, really poignant, I guess, is uh, Chronicles. Uh, obviously, you were saying earlier that you went down there and you spent some time with them for Tom's birthday bash, where they did the last episode. Yeah, um, I kind of wish that um, we'd had a bit more of an opportunity to have them running alongside our show for a while um because i think it would have been nice to have a bit more of a back and forth sort of collaboration with the two shows but i'm fairly certain that they're keen to come and guest spot on this show um or at least some of them are definitely Uh, and i'm more than happy to have them on the show so it's just a case of getting the right timing for people and and the right content really but yeah again i will shout this out if you haven't gone over to listen to chronicles you've got two years worth of backlog that you can go and listen through all the comments and things that they've done with regards to uh necromunda over the last two years so absolutely just a, a good bunch of guys who obviously really like the game yeah definitely worth a listen I've, I've really enjoyed listening to them over the past couple of years so uh thanks for all your hard work lads sorry to see you go but uh yeah look forward to having a couple of years on the podcast at some point was there one other one you wanted to throw out as well chris eye of horus gangbang um 
very... Now, just to confirm, that's not your weekend with Pete that we're talking about. It wasn't a weekend. Again, that's, it, that's an actual Necromunda podcast. It was podcast. a very wild morning. That's all it was. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Australian Necromunda podcast, uh, the I Horus uh, run a range of different podcasts um, to cover all of the different systems, uh, GW systems, but um, specifically the Gangbang one, because that's what we're into, Necromunda. God, you've got to love the way that they named that. It's, 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 it's perfect, just, isn't it? Just, just yeah, so it well, really is. It? And honestly, if you haven't heard them yet, get listen to them. They're hilarious. They're really good. They've, they've got like um, uh, in-universe advertisements and stuff like that. Uh, it was a massive influence on how we approach this. So definitely get along, give them a listen. We've been in contact with them. They've given us a, they give us a little kind of push on their page. So they do have a Facebook page as well if you want to get along with them on there. And um, Tim, the guy who runs it, has been in touch with me. And Stephen and myself will be doing some uh, guest appearances on there at some point. So we're really, really looking forward to that. Um, anyone crossed. else you'd like to give a shout out to? Dude? I think those are the main ones, this one. I mean obviously anyone who's actually listened to it because we know you have because it's not me that's like done like one and a half thousand listens to the the first episode so and i have listened to it a few times for like quality control and stuff but but yeah it's people are listening to it apparently and and i really do appreciate that because as you alluded to earlier on chris if nobody listened to this i'd still do it because yeah. i'd blast doing it oh no that's it it's, it's good fun making it i mean doing the little sections and just having the little chat that we have and planning it all is all great but the fact that other people are liking it is just fantastic it's more than i'd ever ever have imagined everyone that posts in the group everyone that chucks a like everyone that you know what i mean writes a review it's it 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 it's just it makes it so much more for us so thank you very very much and we hope that you continue to brings a little tear to the eye doesn't it so uh no we're very very grateful for it <laughs> But uh, yeah, one other thing I will very quickly mention just at the end here as we wrap up is that Blitz and Krieg will be coming back again. They're not just a one-off. They are definitely coming back in uh, the next episode, in fact. So there's them. And we've also got a new guy who we're going to trial out, see if he can help some people. Because it seems that we're starting to get some sort of Agony Aunt style letters coming through. So maybe he's the guy that we should be forwarding these letters on to. I won't say any more than that, but... uh, I definitely think we we should <laughs> get him going on the next episode. I, I think, think he's um, he's itching to uh, get a hold of your problems. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll find out. Cool. Right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this one. Um, nice obviously, one. with it being this time of year, the season. Um, seriously, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of you for uh, listening, and uh, thank you very much for that. Happy New Year to you as well. We'll uh, we'll see you then. Yep. Have a great holiday, everybody, um, and we'll catch you in the new year. That's all for now, guys. Take care. Bye bye. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more of the hottest happenings in the hive. Remember to like, follow, and where possible, subscribe. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you'd like to see in the show. Have an idea? Tell us. Make your dreams come true. Uh, uh, baby. Maybe not those kind of dreams. The one, the only, Sub City Radio. Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.